Hello, you're listening to a Talk of Spirit MKS. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. Today's episode is our first impressions, technically like a mid-season review. It always happens with winter. We're doing all the deliberations and stuff like that, so it kind of just pushes everything back. Um, but anyways, yes, we're here for our first impressions of the winter 2024 MA season. For those that don't know, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Talk of Spirit, I've been doing mostly first impressions for all these shows, but Chris is here now. So he can give his take on it. We could discuss some of this stuff. Maybe he can. Maybe he can go. Man, I heard in on your video you made fun of Fluffy Paradise. So it's time for me to get some justice in here. Something like that typically does happen. So we'll do it. <laughs> but anyways, we're at talkspirit.com. It's where you go for our links, social media links, ways to get support, uh, ways to support us, ways to get a hold of us, all that good stuff. Ways to get to our Discord. We have a great community there. Um, with all that said, let's just jump right into it. Hopefully, we can get at least a third of the show's done. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll go really quick and we'll do half of them, but we'll see. I think we have like 30 something shows to do. So it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be quite a bit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Anyways, let's kick things off with Fluffy Paradise. Uh, isekai de mafu mafu nadenare suru tame ni gambate masu. But yeah, this was streaming on Crunchyroll, I believe. Done by EMT Squared, based on a light novel. Uh, adventure fantasy slice of life but yeah this one opens up with a office worker in our modern times japan and big shock no she wasn't hit by a truck no she wasn't stabbed trying to protect a bunch of cute girls that were stepping out of a convenience store no <laughs> she overworked that one she was overworked and as she's collapsing and dying like literally in her house uh she's rising from her body and she's talking about all of her regrets for life uh kami shows up Kami shows up and says, ah, and this is kind of bad. I know it just looks, this is, uh, you know, you had a rough life and everything. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a new chance. I'm going to give you a new, new life to go to. But there's a catch. I need you to go over to this other world. I'm going to, I'm going to let you be reborn over there, but I want you to do something for me. I want you to go over to that world and essentially monitor the humans. They've been doing some nasty things. The beast folk, there, not too nice people. So I want you to go there and essentially figure out if humans are worth saving there basically anime noah's ark right <laughs> and, and then he'll do a flood uh, so make sure to get all the fluffy things onto an ark and then we'll be good but anyways no she's uh yeah he asked her if she wants like a superpower like a super ability and as per usual yes the obvious choice is going to be the best one which is i wanted to i wanted to hug my parents cat so bad so it wasn't identify huh it wasn't identify identify I thought we all knew that identify was a, an overpower skilled. Wasn't identify. 
like all the all the shows, they all have identify as the most OP skill of all. Which one was that? <sighs> You're like naming something from a show. Apparently, I never watched. I'm like, what an identify ability. But no, anyways, she says that she wanted to. She just like goes into her own mind, talk about how she wants to grab her parents' cat and and hug it. And they, he never, she never got a chance to. So he's like, oh, okay, I'll just make it to where you can essentially communicate to all animals and they all love you. And then sends her off to be reborn. She's reborn into this one uh, noble family and they're actually with ties with the royalty itself. But she's born, she's a little bit unique in the idea that she has black eyes, which black eyes and her hair color doesn't really match those of her mother and father. Which very quickly, this like later on turns into kind of a stipulation that some people have that she might not be from that family. She also has no magical abilities, which is very unheard of, especially for this family. So she's got like all these oddities about her, but they very quickly find out that yes, animals adore her. Eventually, she ends up getting taken to the, the palace itself because her father had something to do there. She ends up wandering off, ends up finding this this tiger that's like a, a spiritual guardian and is like tied to the prince and just starts writing it. <laughs> Everybody's like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Um, eventually, yes, her sister has like this evaluation where she has to summon something and everybody's in this big theater, this big uh, arena, and she summons a dragon. And immediately she runs out there and befriends the dragon before the dragon leaves and leaves her a stone that allows her to communicate to it. And then... After that, she goes and meets, like, all, like, the... There's, like, the lizard mounts they use for the military and the horses and then befriending them all. And then eventually they have, like, this this group of goblins are coming through the forest. And so they have to go check that out. And she comes to find out that it's caused by the humans. So she saves them. And then she gets a cute little spider. So your thoughts? Oh, yeah, and an oni. Not No, it's not an oni. It's It, it looks like an oni, but it's not an oni. And he's super OP. <laughs> The Oni's like super OP. I'm sorry, you didn't watch that episode yet. Yes, and not. As I know it is, <laughs> super OP. I, uh, I we're, know we're, that there we're was diving the... into the slime territory, Isekai slime territory. I know that the the goblins had a like big goblin, which was actually an ogre or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They usually do. So it's cute. Lots and lots fluffy. of fluffy and it's fluffy. and scales and and yeah, I don't I'm get the scale thing. It's like she runs out there like so like happy and it's like, but what for? <laughs> <laughs> it's so smooth. I want to touch it. Okay. Yeah, the dragon like shows up and she's just like holding on to the side of it and he's like, I'm trying to be serious here. Are you listening to me? And she's like, Oh, I just want to hug it right now. <laughs> Storgy. But yeah, it, it it's super cute and a lot. It, this this is probably the closest one to a um, kind of a Yashike so far. It, it's kind of more chill. Even even the more um, intense scenes are kind of just disarmed by her just being cute and walking up and saying, "But I'm cute and I want to hug." So it, it kind of just chills out real fast because nobody wants to do crazy things around her. Um, but yeah, I, I really do. I, I haven't had a lot of fun with this show. It's just, just kind of chill and fun. It's not really done anything super out of the ordinary outside of just pretty much her just constantly going on about how everything is cute and she wants to be friends with everybody. Yeah. Every time there's like, yeah, we, we've already gotten to the point now where it's like, whenever she does something, they're like, oh, that's just, that's just Nefertima. She just does that. <laughs> Like they're getting into the, they're technically right now getting into the naming thing, because remember when when she first showed up, they had like the ceremony for naming her, and it was like this ritual, and 
now it seems like she's doing that to animals and it's totally making her dad mad. <laughs> it's like, wait, did you name that thing? Yeah, I named it this. Oh, crap. I shouldn't have done that, should I? And he's like, okay, I guess we're bringing it with us. <laughs> it's like, I guess there's like some, there's like a, a dependency there or something like that. Like if you name something, it has to be yours. Like it can't survive alone or something like that, uh, which would make sense in the idea that, yes, you're, she named something and the father wasn't okay with the thing itself because it was a monster. And the moment they heard that it was named, it's like, okay, we're taking it with us. Like there was no, there was like no question, like a completely diffused situation. So I'm not sure if that'll turn to something. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to like be like everything else in Isekai fantasy where like slime Isekai where they name them and it becomes overpowered and then something else. So hmm. anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think the big question mark for this series so far is like the setup. The setup is, again, this idea that the mankind is doing evil things. I forgot to mention, but yes, at some point she even had a tutor and the tutor was teaching her stuff and was being really mean to her, but she wanted to take care of it herself rather than get her family involved. So she kind of just pushed through it and proved the, the teacher that she could be a fine lady or whatever. And then at some point she is talking to the, the lady and establishes that she is from the church. And yes, like typical with Japanese uh, storytelling, the church is the evil ones. They're the ones that seem seemingly so far are the ones behind all the stuff with the beast folk. Like they are the ones that are prejudiced against anything that's not human. And so I that that brief moment and towards this later part of this current arc is kind of hitting on this idea that the humans are causing all the problem with all the beast people and uh, specifically monsters and animals of any kind. Um, it's kind of it's kind of seemingly grouping it all together, but. Um, other than that, yes, it's, it's just been fluffy. It's been just fluffy the whole time. Which, yes, technically gets to my first, like, argument. It's like, besides just it's cute and it's fluffy, there really isn't too much substance here. Because for the most part, it's been basically she finds new animals, befriends them, everybody's shocked. And then she finds new animals, she befriends them, everybody's shocked. And at some point they started getting into essentially seeing that she has, I mean, it was a dragon. <laughs> it was mostly a dragon. <laughs> the dragon was a thing. Um, the, the empire itself sort of having to acknowledge, uh, acknowledge her as a person because she sort of has a tie in with something really powerful. So obviously they don't want her falling in the wrong hands. So literally the King himself says, we're taking care of her. And, <laughs> and her father's like, okay, no questions asked. Just the King's going to take care of her. That's fine. Because, yes, you had, like, the church and all these other people trying to get a hold of her for her power. But, um, yeah, other than that, it's just been, it's been okay. I, I think my only kind of real frustration is I don't really, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting a, a better through line, which would seem to be the aspect of judging humankind. But it's seemingly already kind of laid that out. And, again, that's the church. So she's probably going to have to use her influence with her father and the king to probably slap the hand of the church and then... Tell Kami that everything is good now. Don't don't flood the world, I guess. <laughs> Maybe he's gonna do flood. I don't know. Or just erase them all from existence. We don't we don't really know at this point, but it's fine. I, I think visually is what I kind of am um half and half on. Like I think they're doing a good job with uh Nefertima herself. I think she looks adorable. They're doing a great job. She has a very unique style to her. Um she's super cute. I, I think my problem only really lies in everything else is kind of not as well animated and kept on model for the most part. I mean, I I don't really expect too much from a show like this, but so I guess it's doing enough. But it's not it's not the greatest looking show unless it's unless it involves Nefertima and then it's super cute and everything's super fluffy looking. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it looks good so far. So I, I think my only little frustration I really have is that it it seems 
dumb how she keeps running after monsters and everybody goes it's they do the whole uh Ch- um charlie and chocolate factory thing where they go wait no no no, don't do that and then she just runs off to the monster and they just stand there oh no nefertima <laughs> like the dragon like if nefertima was my daughter and she jumped off the side of this thing and ran after this dragon i'd be hauling butt like dragon gonna kill my daughter i'm gonna be right there and yet she's like no please no nefertima <laughs> like i said it's like the charlie chocolate factor thing like no don't stop please don't do that Okay, let's see what happens. <laughs> I guess it's, maybe that's it. Maybe the dad and all them are like, this is Nefertima. She's going to probably figure something out. No, please stop. Don't. Yep, she got the dragon. <laughs> let's go down there and say hi to the dragon. Anyways, yeah, that's... Uh, it's good so far. I, I, it's um, for a fluffy Yashike type of show, which, yeah, this is pretty much the only one I could think of off the top of my head, unless there's something else that I'm not remembering. It, it's doing a solid job of at least having some... Some content in there. It's not like completely substantless like some other shows that I've kind of talked about where it's just fluffy for the sake of fluffy and nothing really of value in there. So I'm looking forward to more. And this is technically the first show that started the season. And so it's like already six episodes, I think. It's already halfway through it. So that's your Smith season review. Uh, what else do we have? Let me let me bring my document. I'm not going to skip ahead like I usually do. I'm going to keep to my my outline. A show that Chris is not watching. I kind of was like, I'm, I'm kind of on the edge if I want to push Chris to watch this or not. Because I don't think it's doing anything quite yet. But I know it's probably right up his alley. Um, but there is like three other shows that I would rather him watching rather than this one. So that kind of kills it. So maybe if he covers all the other ones that I think he should for sure. And he has he's like, I got one more slot, Andrew. I might I might throw this one in there. But yes, The Unwanted Undead Adventurer or... Nozo Mu Nozo not oh my gosh I'm gonna <laughs> can't get this one I'm technically reading that this sideways because I want Chris to be able to see the outlines too but um, but yeah Nozo Nozo Manu Fushi no Bokensha this one's streaming on Crunchyroll done by Connect it's based off a light novel it's an action adventure fantasy um, but yeah this one follows Rent and he is a adventurer and he's currently his whole goal in life is to become a mithril level adventurer and he's pretty old i think he's like in his 30s so he's literally one foot in the grave he's, in anime he's terms kicking the bucket right <laughs> he's now. ready to kick the butt he literally does um anyways yeah he's in this one labyrinth where i think they kind of imply that they've already kind of looked through the whole dungeon there's not really anything in there and he ends up finding this secret tunnel and he goes inside of it and he ends up in front of this massive magical dragon and immediately the dragon kills him it thinks he kills him because he wakes up and he is now a skeleton and he's like, well, this is not good. Why am I a skeleton? Am I dreaming or whatever? He starts walking around the dungeon, ends up having to fight off other skeletons, in which point he's sort of figuring out that he can utilize his... I forget that. This is where I'm going to mess up with the terms. He's got like this... There's like different elements of this this world itself. You have like divinity magic, which is like healing and stuff like that, or purifying. You have like the elements like magic, like fire, ice, and all that kind of stuff. And then there's like spirit, which spirit is like self-enhancing, I guess. So he's, like, essentially making his skeleton, even though he doesn't have muscles to make himself be able to hit something really hard and be able to balance well, he's using his spirit arch to basically overcome another skeleton that has no muscles. So he does that, and then he thinks about um, Lorraine, who is this person that he's known for a long time, who joined the Adventure Guild a long time ago. Lorraine has been studying monsters, and she told him her theory on uh, monster evolution, this idea that monsters can essentially kill and gain experience enough that at some point they will evolve into a, a higher monster. And so he's like, okay, that's 
that could probably possibly be my way of being able to get out of here because I can't go back to the village right now because I'm a skeleton. <laughs> so maybe if I can evolve into a ghoul, then maybe I can actually cover up my body at least and be able to go into town. So he does that. He keeps killing monsters and slimes and eventually at some point, yes, he becomes a ghoul. Uh, it takes him a little bit while to get used to his rotted throat <laughs> to be able to talk. But yes, this one other adventure arena, she ends up coming out of the dungeon and he stumbles upon her, saves her life, and then tries to communicate her before she attacks him and lets her know, hey, look, I'm an adventurer. Yeah, I'm technically dead, but I'm not dead. Can you go to town and buy me some gear so that I can go back home? And so she agrees to it because she saved his life. She goes home, com comes back with some gear, puts it on, ends up giving him a cursed mask. She's like, I know you need to cover your face, so I got this cool little mask for you. And he cuts, puts it on his face, and it's a cursed mask that can't be taken off. Um, but yeah, he basically thanks her. They go back to town. She helps him in. He ditches her because he doesn't want her to get in trouble. And then he goes back to Lorraine. And yeah, Lorraine's a little bit shocked by this, but she kind of works with him in order to investigate what's going on with him at the same time. He is still fighting to become a mithril adventurer, cover up his identity, and evolve until hopefully he can become something as close to him as possible, which right now he figures is a vampire. So, yeah, then at some point he gets a he gets a thirst for blood and then bites Lorraine. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> and then he evolves again. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the that's the concept of unwanted undead adventurer. I, I cannot help but make the comparison to Berserk of Gluttony with this one because it feels like it's just like... This is one of the shows when you first start watching it, you're like, wait, I think I watched this already. Oh, that was Berserk of Gluttony. Never mind. There's actual characters in this one. <laughs> Unlike Berserk of Gluttony, this one actually has like character writing and the character chemistry is pretty solid. And it seems like it's actually progressing into something interesting. Um, but yeah, it's got the same kind of idea here where you have somebody that has lost their humanity and they're trying to gain their humanity back while trying to hide what they are from other people. Uh, got the whole mass thing going on and and essentially having to consume in order to get stronger and having to consume higher things in order to get even more stronger, yada, yada, yada. Um, so far, I've been, surprisingly, I've been enjoying this show. And I think it's a lot to do with um, a few elements. One being, I think they're doing pretty well so far in establishing how he can essentially get stronger. Because with typically with shows like this, the idea is, again, Berserk Gluttony. Just kill things, kill bigger things, bigger things. The numbers become to the point where it's just who cares anymore? <laughs> like we were, we, me and Chris both agreed that when Berserker Gluttony got to the point where it was just like, you know, six digit numbers and higher, it's just like, who cares anymore? Just tell me if he's stronger or not. <laughs> I don't want to have to pause it and check to see which one's a higher number. And half the time it doesn't even matter anyway. So, but this one got a, a nice system set up in the idea that yes, he's starting out with skeleton. He's having to force his body with spirit arts in order to essentially be able to fight well. And then when he gets muscles, he's realizing very quickly I'm actually getting stronger. And at some point he realizes I'm stronger than I used to be. Like I, me as a goal now is stronger than I was as a human, which I, he essentially, I guess, found a point in which he wasn't getting stronger and was stuck at the rank that he was. So now he has the, the, the chance to be able to essentially go far above and beyond. And yeah, you would kind of assume in the idea of becoming like a vampire might actually get really, really powerful. Um, and then the question mark that I raise up is like, but does it stop? <laughs> I mean, once he becomes a vampire, would he maybe at some point turn into a dragon and then he's stuck out of town again? <laughs> um, they sort of implied something that can deviate that. Um, slight spoilers here. Um, Lorraine has given him a theory that the reason why he became a goal from his skeleton is because he desired it. 
because technically, in her theories, a skeleton should only evolve into like a skeleton knight or a skeleton. There's other skeletons I listed, but it would have to be something like that, not a goal. So it's, it's almost as if he kind of deviated from a typical monster evolution. So it's not as if he's he's even, he's not even playing into her theory. And so that does sort of indicate the idea that there's a possibility just him desiring to become a vampire eventually, he could do that. He could circumvent and go straight to it. Though they are kind of implying the idea that in order to become a vampire, he's going to have to become even more stronger before he would evolve in something like that because it's so powerful. Um, so it at least implies that there's this idea that they could put into this series that he could evolve into whatever he wants based on the situation. And I think that can actually turn into something pretty, in, pretty interesting with that as well. But I do really like Rent and Lorraine's kind of relationship. She's essentially a – she went into the medical field, and because of her medical achievements, or at least her study achievements with medicine and stuff like that um, and her research, they made her like immediately like a pretty high-ranking guild member. And she wasn't experienced as a guild member, so he kind of helped her out learning the, the tricks of the trade of being an adventurer. And so they kind of grew a relationship there, and it's obviously it seems like she really likes him and wants to take care of him and sort supports him in his in endeavor in order to become a mithril uh, knight. There's obviously a lot of talk around town. Everybody's wondering where Rent at. Even though Rent was a really low adventurer, he was very helpful, and everybody liked him. So there's obviously a lot of people that are kind of upset that he's disappeared for such a long time. They're trying to figure out where he's at. He tries to fool some people, but they don't. <laughs> there's like this blacksmith, and he comes there in order to get a new weapon, and they're like, yeah, there's a reason why he's not telling us anything, but we're not going to pry. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they knew. <laughs> they knew exactly who he was. Um, there's a lot of things that are kind of set up already. They kind of got into more into that labyrinth and that extra chamber that he's gone into, uh, meeting some individual that was in a secret room that normal people can't get access to. Um, so they, they possibly dive into that more. The question mark's going to still be also, where's the dragon? The dragon disappeared after he ate him, so that's another good one. I... I my assumption is that the dragon might be tied in with the lay that came in there. Um, maybe possibly the one that was dead is the spirit. Uh, the, the dragon is the spirit of the one that's dead in there that she's overseeing. That's my theories, but who knows if we'll even get into any of that stuff with this single core series. But I said overall, like I said, overall, visually, yeah, early on with the skeleton, CGI was rough. But once he became a goal, it, it, it's been looking fine since then. It's a It's a decent looking show overall, but... I've been enjoying it. It's It's been a, a solid series so far. Not that it's trying too hard in any particular direction. I don't think it's blowing the waters out of anything, but it's, a, it's just a really decent, pure fantasy show with a, a little bit of a twist there with him becoming a, a monster and getting stronger through that. So we'll see where it goes. But that's that's my thoughts so far on Undead, Unwanted Adventure. Or Unwanted Undead Adventure, sorry. Um... Let us go into a late starter that I actually got into, which I was kind of... Do I not have an outline for it? I don't think I have an outline. Omozaki? Oh, I do. Okay. Apparently, I spelled bottom wrong. <laughs> bottom wrong. Bottom, bottom tier character Tomozaki's second stage, or Jakuchara Tomozaki-kun's second stage. Um, not, I'm not going to go into detail here because this is a second season, but... Uh, for those who don't know, essentially about this guy, Fumiya, and he is a gamer, and at some point he ends up meeting up with Aoi uh, Hinami, who is ends up being a class or a, a classmate of his, who offers him the opportunity to essentially level up in real life. Um, he's very socially awkward and doesn't really communicate with people. He's very much like an outcast of, 
of the school itself. And she presents him the opportunity to essentially make himself better, make himself more presentable, help him with his communication skills and all this kind of stuff. So she starts to go through like these different challenges with him, laying out missions that he has to accomplish, like go talk to this girl or invite this person to here. And it's, again, something that's pushing him out of his comfort zone in order to learn those social skills. And she's kind of giving him, like, the layout on how to communicate to people and everything. So going into the second season, pretty much this, like, yeah, I, I think this entire first segment, which I think is, like, five episodes, is, like, strictly around Tama. <laughs> Not necessarily t just Tama, but um, I think her name was Erica. There's one, uh, one of the classmates is Erica, and she pretty much has a little bit of an issue with Izumi getting with the boy that she likes. And so she in turn, Etika in turn, in her frustrations with what with somebody taking her boy, she turns that aggression upon one of the other classmates in the school, the class, and bullies her. And at some point, Tama speaks up because unlike everybody else who's like, you know, don't say anything, Tama is like, that. that you can't do that. Stop it. So... Erica then turns it upon her and starts bullying her. And again, everybody doesn't like it, but nobody says anything. <laughs> like typical Japanese bullying, nobody does anything because they're always afraid of rocking the boat or becoming the next one that gets, target, uh, gets targeted. But yeah, at some point, this is kind of the interesting thing here because Tama comes to Tomozaki knowing that he has changed. Everybody has noticed that Tomozaki has changed over the course of you know, since the first season started. Um, and so she comes to him and asks him for advice on how to herself change. And so he kind of goes this whole trial and error period where he's trying to teach her all, pretty much everything that he has learned from <laughs> Hinami, uh, helping her be a little more outspoken, not speak so... As people that know the first season, Tama is very harsh, w w has a harsh way of talking. And so she's kind of unapproachable in that way. Uh, Nanami loves her, not only just loves her, uh, but she herself is not very social and, and able to communicate well. So it turns this whole thing of trying to help her and then eventually leading up to two sides of this. Tomozaki is trying to help Tama change so that she can eventually essentially gain the love of the classroom and thus they'll essentially protect her. Right now she's lashing back so much that people are not favorable of her. And so this might be able to capture people's attention if she's a more outspoken person and people like her more. Hinami over here, she isn't liking that Tomozaki is trying to change her. Instead, thinks that something else should happen. She is trying to, well, you'll find out later on, she's trying to manipulate the friends of Erika to eventually turn on her. And so they're both kind of taking the situation from different angles. And the outcome itself, I think, was... While some of the presentation of it was a little bit kind of like, yeah, I don't see that happening in a classroom. <laughs> it it kind of plays into my issues that I've always had with the series overall, but I think in the end it was a very satisfying ending. Um, and I'm not sure exactly where we're going to go from this point on, but at least for now it's like a pretty solid little first arc for this season. Now it does go into my disappointments is that, for those who don't know, when I reviewed the first season, I I wasn't sure at first. But I end up really liking it. And that's why I was really excited for a second season. But part of my excitement for second season was because they presented something at the very end of the first season regarding Hinami that I thought would be really, really cool. Essentially, Tomozaki flipped the script on her and pulled her in as a possible, like, I'll teach you how to do something. And it did... It, 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 there's a side of me that almost believes... I, I need to go back and figure out... I need to go back and actually 
watch that part to remember exactly what was said there. I just remember it was like a flip of the script, like he was flipping it on her. And it almost feels as if that conversation never happened because we're kind of just continuing the status quo. Like we're, we're going back to, yes, her doing these little missions for him and carrying on. And so um, there's a side of me that almost wonders if that last scene of the first season or that later scene of the first season wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> like maybe they put that there as like a, a pull in for the source material or something, uh, because I, there's a lot of series that do that. So I have to go back and check and make sure that's like not something that because, again, I don't think they're really kind of playing off of it. Like it's acting. It's it's almost like they're acting like that never happened. So but it's not a big deal. Um, I, I think by overall, I, I really enjoy this show because I just kind of like all the characters. Like it's one of those rare, yes, haremish type of shows where I like the entire cast and even the male characters are solid. Um, some of them do seem like they're kind of full of themselves and and preppy, but they're all kind of deep down that they're they're solid people they're not they're not comical bad guy characters comical bullies um even with like erica i i, I hate it because i don't like bullying but <laughs> at least you based on how they were kind of communicating with each other it, it made sense why erica was in the situation yes even tama who was being bullied sort of does end up seeing how she is um uh, Kikuchi, who they kind of bring into the picture at some point, she kind of lays it out very cleanly in the idea that this girl is obviously frustrated with something and she's lashing out. Not that it's right, but that's what's happening. Um, so there's kind of a there's a there's a mixed aspect of it. It does characters so well. It does a lot of these scenarios so well. But there is that itching side of me that's been there since the first season that. It feels unrealistic in a lot of regards because the way that, especially Hinami, the way that some of these characters talk, they almost like they're almost like they're hyper analyzing psychologically the characters in the room when it's happening. And it's like, this is cheesy. Like, Tomazaki out of nowhere goes, Oh, I know what Hinami's doing. She's manipulating them in order to do this, this, and this. And it's like, nobody's thinking that right now. <laughs> Stop stop acting like you're some like your doctor Phil in the middle of a classroom trying to talk about the how the kids are feeling. Um there's points where it feels cheesy, but overall I, I do really enjoy these characters. Like th this season I I got a massive kick out of the fact that they had this ongoing joke where whenever time he would meet up with Tama, as they were leaving, he would end up uh they would end up running into Nanami. And every single time they ran into Nanami, there was a different person with uh, Tomozaki and Tama. So it kind of just turns this thing where it's like it's increasing the size of this group, the size of this group that's coming out of this like secret meeting over and over again. Um, it, it's good. I, and I, Nanami is still my favorite. Did you have a favorite? You finished the first season, right? Yes. I, it's been a while. It's probably Kukichi, right? I'm trying. I, I would, I would think so. I, I, I want to say it was the, the girl that, uh, Hinami told, uh, Tomozaki to hook up with. So, uh, yeah, Kikuchi, and I Kikuchi. believe it was Kukichi. Kukichi? Kikuchi. 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 Uh, but yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna still watching it. Um, again, I got to find out if that, that scene is... Maybe I'm just misremembering that scene, but... Let's move on to something that Chris can talk about. Go two in a row, and time to come back and... Oh, oh I'm spoiling it for Chris, because I'm trying to type it, and I type it in the document. The most controversial show of the season. I actually not seen much controversy over it, so I'm guessing it's because it's on High Dive. Nobody nobody knows it exists, which is a good thing, I guess. <laughs> thanks, thanks High Dive for getting this property so that nobody knows it exists. 
but yeah, gushing over magical girls. Uh, Maho Shoujo ni Akogarete. This one's streaming on High Dive, uncensored, by the way, uh, running for 13 episodes, done by Asahi Production, based on a manga. It's a comedy, ecchi, Maho Shoujo series. But yeah, this one opens up with Utna Hiragi, and she loves magical girls. In this world, there is existing of evil organizations and magical girls that fight against that evil organization. Uh, Utna loves them, loves to buy all their merch. If they're fighting in town, she's just looking on awe. She just loves them. At some point, she's confronted by a mascot uh, who essentially tells her, hey, you can become a magical girl too. And she's like, what are you talking about? And then turns her into not a magical girl, but a villain. <laughs> like, like a very revealing outfit that obviously embarrasses her and says, go fight the magical girls. And she's like, wait, I do want to fight the magical girls. And he's like, I'm going to post this video of you transforming on Twitter if you don't do it. And so she ends up doing it. Um, the way that she fights is that she has to slap things with her whip and it turns them alive. So she'll slap a plant and it'll turn into a big plant monster that attacks. Well, this kind of turns into an ongoing thing where this mascot forces her to attack the magical girls and then she disappears after a while and then comes back and then attacks them again. And all the while she's being forced by Venna, this mascot, to do this. Eventually, at some point, she realizes, or at least Venna kind of puts it into words, it's not that she likes the magical girls, it's that she loves watching them in pain and likes to see the different faces. And this is something that she herself has, over time, uh, vocalized as well. She just loves to see the many faces. They're so cute. She just wants to see what they do. She wants to bully them. <laughs> and so, yes, she'll she'll be forced and half the time kind of thrown in the situation where she'll have to fight the magical girls, uh, do inappropriate things to them, see the faces they make, and then flee afterwards. The magical girls themselves hate it because they can't beat her and she keeps running away and she does things to them that really hurt, like smacking them in the butt with the whip over and over again until they can't sit down. And then eventually she ends up running into one of the other members of the, well, she's run into two this at this point. Um, Leopard of this evil organization uh, tries to beat her up, but then Utana really quickly turns the tables on her and... Tell her that she's super cute because that's all the thing. Apparently, the only thing that she cares about is make people knowing that she's cute. So she tells her that she's cute. So Leopard ends up falling in love with her. And then we also met uh, Nero Alice, is what her her evil organization name is. She joined because she grabbed Venna, thinking it was cute. And then Venna's like, "Hey, you want to join?" <laughs> and it seems like she really likes Venna because she's like stuffed animals. Uh, but she has the power to essentially put people in her dollhouse, and then she can do whatever she wants to them. So that's. That's the story thus far. Your thoughts, Chris, on... The, we're not watching this show anyways. It's inappropriate. Let's just... Oh, I, I would never watch a show like this. I have standards. If you did watch it, what do you think your thoughts would be? And that is freaking awesome. <laughs> I mean... Let's uh, just do that for the entire like impression. Just like, <laughs> if I did watch it, I think the animation's okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> what what did you come come here because of what's on the box did i get what's on the box yeah in spades no, i got a lot more animated. than i was expecting out of this show so what's on the box you get more um so you probably are satisfied with the show i i'm i'm satisfied with the show are you satisfied with the show because mm -hmm. you're getting what's on the box right yep okay on the box, it says that this is an ecchi show. You got ecchi. Is there anything more to it than that? Um, 
At the moment, not really. It's not... I don't know what it's going for outside of just... Uh, I mean, because Utena is, is freaking great. I mean, she's absolutely... I get a kick out of her just kind of descent into madness per se and and her constantly going wait 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 I don't I don't want to do this I I'm not I'm not sure that I want to do this but she can't help herself she just has to cuz she has the ability why not I mean so and and I just love it. It, it it's working perfectly in that um the personalities are absolutely crazy and i i love each one of them so far so yeah I've, I've been having a blast it's it's a great show so far yeah i think the the besides the etchy aspect which i think is kind of just more comical and funny the way they kind of play them out i mean i got a huge kick out of the fact that they did the the thing with magenta where she thought that she'd get back at utna by uh or brazier by the way she would call her brazier um, she would get back at her by wearing pasties underneath her magical girl outfit. That way, when she shred her clothes again, she would have something underneath there. She technically there. did win. And <laughs> yeah, it was like one of those aspects of like, oh, she, I'm going to throw her off by this. And then literally, Baser just like, oh my gosh, this is great. And she just blood squirts out of her mouth and she just loves it. Uh, everybody's on the side of the lines taking pictures and <laughs> then she ends up being embarrassed about it. Uh, but no, I, I really do genuinely love Utena's character. I think she it's like a culmination thing. Like I, I can see like the manga being great just because of the absurdity of each thing that Utena puts these magical girls through or even the other girls. Uh, what she puts them through, that could be like the draw to the manga. Like that's the shtick. But I think what Asahi Productions and the Seiyu for Utena has done is elevated it from that to something so much more. Um, this Seiyu, I, if I remember correctly, she, this is like literally her first role. <laughs> like she, This is like her at least first main role. And she is doing such an incredible job. Like, her voicing of Utna just makes that character. And the animation along with it, like, this is literally, like, this show of Utna faces. I just love the goofy faces that she makes, where there's her being shocked, her, you know, going to Dom mode, uh, you know, loving the sensation of what she's going through or what they're what she's putting them through. All those faces and how she nails, like, that. There's like a There's, like, a hesitancy in her voice all the time because she's, like, literally, like, a social outcast. She just just doesn't speak out she's like introverted and then her to be able to push herself like this like even with what leopard says later or kiwi she's later is like you're act completely different here than you do when you're you know your evil uh baser form and she's like yeah i don't know why whenever i go in that form i just i can't control myself i don't know what happens to me and then yeah yeah like you said it's like there's a there's an element to her character and the idea that it's a slow descent into madness like I kind of keep putting um, putting it on my videos is I really feel like this is a story about the creation of a villain. Yes, the joke, the punchline is the the naughty things that she does in the magic worlds, and the the etchy is obviously there for a reason. But her so far the through line the through line storyline that I have enjoyed is that seeing her slowly turn into that point where she does like it it seems like she does want it she's going out of her way to to seek it out and yeah she's she can't study anymore because she's too busy looking at prawn all the time <laughs> like she's failing her classes because when she's at home she's either thinking about what she's done naughty things she's done to the to trace magia or what you know bdsm mag that she has in her drawer that she's hiding from her mom um that stuff's all great i really love it kiwi's fantastic she's just a little spitfire um i love sulfur i think she's got that I've kind of 
and I, I, I've been meaning to ask Chris's opinion on this, so it's good that I wait until we do our first impressions before I ask him um, on the sideline. I have made my predictions that I think I, I was I was predicting this way back when I think uh, she attacked Azul when she was at her the shrine. I had the assumption at that point that this is going to turn into one of those things where Utena has to will eventually acknowledge what she is and that she loved this. And I think through her doing her doming of the girls, eventually I think each of the Trace Magia will turn into one of three different categories. I think Magenta will eventually turn into the clueless person that wants to save Utna um, and will always be oblivious as to what's being done to her. Azul will be the one that will accept it and want it more, want to be domed, which we've already kind of established that's a thing now. <laughs> it seems like by now Azul wants it. Uh, she just like constantly think about well, what? I like what, what was it? Sulfur so that she got attacked, and then Azul's like, "What did she do to you?" No, it was Magenta because it was mm -hmm. the, the whole Pacey thing. She's like, "What did she end up doing to you?" She like really badly wanted to know what what Utena did to her. Um, and I think Sulfur is going to be the one case of them that is a top that wants to be a top, and while Bazer's trying to dominate her, that's my assumption. Is I'm uh, there's going to be the rival uh, top fight with Sulfur. Azul, which will be the bottom that wants to be dominated, and Magenta is going to be the one that always wants to save Utna, but at the same time doesn't know what the hell's happening to her. She's the clueless one. Kind of fits in the categories that you think. I think no, the, I the think only that, one that's really kind that, of up in the air is Sulfur that, right now. I think Sulfur is just the prize that's going to be the the one that she's going to get the most rise out of. She wants by, it, yeah. Like there's, she's a, there's gonna get. That's why. That's when why she she's beat so. Her, yeah, that's why she's so excited every time she goes against Sulphur is because of the fact that she's the one that she can't she's can't break. Yeah. She's she's going when she does break her, she's gonna that's gonna be if anything that'll be her kind of moment where she she'll probably beat the crap out of her. Truth be told. I of think Sulphur, that'll probably be that'll probably be the darkest one of all of them. If she go, if it goes that 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 dark, it'll it'll be the. You think she's gonna have like a bunch of pent up frustration? Yes, I, that <laughs> it'll it'll be so one of the two. It'll be one of the two. It'll be either, um, it'll just be the one that she can't she can't seem to, and she gets more and more excited about how how much fun it is going against her, because she's the only one that she can't break, or she will break her, and it'll and it and it'll it'll be this moment for her. I don't know if it'll go that dark but yeah that'll that'll be that that one moment i have seen one skip chapter that's pretty pretty crazy but it's not like super dark but i, I think that's been the fun thing that i've been doing here with um this series i've been watching the episodes and then checking out the manga to see kind of what possibly changed and it's like asahi productions has been spicing this up because obviously with the manga there's and it, it could be like censorship for the english version i'm not sure but there is like there's no no dots on the chest kind of thing that so they added that with the anime um there's a lot of scenes they've added to make it more spicier like with the whole alice uh nero alice playhouse thing they never went to an onsen in there it was just like they cut to the onsen like asahi production just added her being in the onsen with the two girls and then like later on with the the doctor alice <laughs> she took out a real syringe in the manga and was going to give her a shot and she's like oh no be gentle but in the anime, they like edit like a like an injection for elsewhere, and she like brings it down there to her legs. And I'm like, dang, Asahi production just get a little bit more naughtier than than the source material. So there there's a there's a little bit more spice that's being added with the anime, and I 
I, I will say my only little frustration that I've had with the series so far, besides the fact that I, like I've been loving it. I, I again, Uchina is fantastic. It's hilarious. Um, I love how un unapologetic it is. Like I, I've mentioned several times before, I I think we should always have a show like this that is in every season or at least every other season that just basically says, "Hey, we're Japan. We don't care. If whatever you think is going to be sensitive, we don't care. We're going to do this and we're going to do it and we're going to have fun with it." I love that lack of apology. They just they just go all out and and it and it's fun because of that. There's a, there's a lot of enjoyment to be had in just that lack of censorship. I will say my only like beef that I have is it, it is starting to show a little bit of rough edges. I didn't ever I never expected us to production to do like an incredible job the entire way. Um, not that even the first episode was that incredible, but there is there is some signs that they're kind of dying it back a little bit. There's a little bit less in that crazy goofy uh, animation that they had early on. It feels a lot more flat in a lot of regards. So I'm just hoping that a lot of that has to do with maybe possibly the stories that are coming up, which I think could possibly, just based on like a, a couple page view, might get a little bit more action heavy. But we'll, we'll see. But I mean, it's not bad. And I'm, I'm not saying it's bad, but it, it is starting to show a little bit of rough edges that I hope doesn't get too bad at some point. So that's that's my thoughts. Anything else to add to that, Chris? The the best show of the season so far? It, it's 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 like right there, close to my favorite of the season so far. I'm having a blast with it. I really am. If you if y'all haven't gotten an idea, I highly suggest it. I thought I was gonna have to pull something out of you earlier, so <laughs> glad you start talking. <laughs> like, wait, Chris, do I have to like point out like certain things? Um, yeah, it looks it's, it's great. Let's go. So there you go. Uh, Chain Soldier. You watch Chain Soldier, right? Yeah. Uh, up until a couple right, of episodes let's, let's ago, go, let's go one etchy show right into another. This is gonna be the this is gonna be the podcast episode to be demonetized. But yeah, Chain Soldier or Mato Sehe no Slevu. This one streaming on High Dive again. Another one that's gonna be uncensored. It's uh, done by Seven Arcs, and the source is a manga, action, adventure, drama, etchy, fantasy, romance. And this one follows Yuki, and Yuki in this world, the, the world they got it set up as is at some point there's like these Mato disasters that started appearing, which are like these openings of these gates to this demon world where there's demons in it, and sometimes they can they can actually come through those gates. Um, sometimes the opening of those 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 gates can suck people into this alternate world, and in this alternate world there are anti demon corpse people that will be dispatched to those locations and retrieve anybody if they get sucked into this these gates. And the thing that's kind of unique about this world is that he, the women of this world are seen as better than men because women are the only ones that can consume these peaches that give them different unique abilities. And so, obviously, since the men can't eat them and have abilities, they can't do anything to save the world and, and fight back against the monsters, they're seen as less. And uh, Yuki, at some point, ends up getting sucked through one of these Mato disasters into this other world and is saved by Kyoka, who is part of one of these anti-demon corps. And she has the ability to essentially take control of the demons of that world and use them to fight the other ones. So she'll take control of them, make them beat up the other ones. Then if they, it breaks, she just grabs another one, jumps on the back of that one, and controls that one and fights them. Uh, well, as they're kind of backed up into a corner, he's trying to protect this one girl that was sucked in with him. Um, Kyoka says, all right, I can't really do, I can't fight all out right now because they're here and I have to protect them. But I have one more option. And so she says, you know, I've been enslaving these things all the time. I've never tried it on a person. So she asks Yuki, hey, I can get us out of here if you agree to be controlled by me, basically. And he agrees to it. 
And yes, he turns into one of these monster things and is able to go around like super fast and beat up all the other ones. And she's like, holy crap, this, he's in this form is so much better than any of the other ones that I've actually controlled. Now, what this turns into is on one end, you have Yuki's perspective. He desires for a better life, you know, something more exciting than going to a dead end job in the real world and and just live out his days. I thought he wanted to be he a wanted hero. to be a, right. He wanted to be a hero. And you kind of get a sense that, yes, in when he was younger, his sister disappeared due to one of these uh, Mato disasters as well. So that may have instilled that upon him. On the other end, Kyoka, she desires to become like the captain of all the corps. She feels like the current leadership isn't doing their job right, and she wants to do it properly like um, in their place. And so them together can succeed to that role. So she recruits him into the anti Demon corpse doesn't really recruit him. Just basically says you're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be my pawn. <laughs> He's like okay, um, but yeah, he gets brought back to the the corpse place and meets everybody, and they quickly gets thrown into the position of being the basically the maid, and every now and then being pulled out to help them with different tasks. We meet uh, Himari, which we find out her ability is to mimic other abilities, but she doesn't mimic them to like the best extent. But she still does it pretty well with Yuki. Um, or at least with Kyoka's ability. Um, we have Sushi, who, Sushi, 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 she, uh, she's able to grow really big or really small. She's she able to change the size of herself. And she, she's your giant lady. Nay is, no, she's small <laughs> lady too. Nay is like, has like the ability to sense things. Like she's like a satellite basically. And then that's pretty much. She's that. a super radar. Yeah. Super radar. And they keep pointing out that she's like 10 years old, but she's still his senpai. <laughs> I like how she just shows so up and like goes, cute. sit down. I want to. I gotta install uh, install uh, information to you. And he just sits down and just yes, if I, <laughs> you did agree. Thank you for sewing that upon me. <laughs> You're welcome. It's so cute. Um, but yeah, that's that's the show so far. And then a bunch of etchy stuff happens because yeah, I didn't know. I didn't mention that. Yes, there there is a side effect to Kyoka's ability. Every time she uses <laughs> enslave something, she has to reward them. Um, and she says, like, with the monsters, whenever she enslaved them, they only just wanted pig meat. So she just gave them pork. And they were happy. Um, but she didn't know what Yuki would end up wanting. And, yes, it always ended up being something inappropriate. So, yeah, like, the initial one is just, like, what was it? Um, I forget what the initial one is. But it ends up being, like, kissing, letting him kiss her foot, um, stepping on him. Uh, Himari, he ends up, like, she would just, like, lift up her shirt, her skirt or something like that. It's just... It's dorky. It's just, it's just kind of always ends up falling into Yuki wanting some sort of um, fantasy in his head for their, for their body itself. So it's so or funny because sort of he's, he, he's supposedly he's not actually specifically deciding these things. It's it's a subconscious thing that apparently is popping up, which is funny because, yeah, it, it never really gets into him, like constantly perving out with the girls like he's never like constantly going, Oh my gosh, Kyoka is so hot. I could, I would love to see, you know, get with her or whatever he, it, in his mind, it never has him like lusting after them. But then whenever the reward happens, it's like, Oh, this is what he wanted. Okay. <laughs> and he never denies it. So it's not like he, it's not like he's going, no, I didn't want that. <laughs> so it's like, is maybe the, with the manga, it's a little bit more obvious that he's constantly like thirsting over these girls, but it's just like, there it happens. So and why is it always <laughs> sexual desires? It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's it's special. So your thoughts. On the on the etchy version of Akamaga Kills uh S Death. I forgot to make that joke, sorry. I, I I keep joking that Kyoka is basically S Death from Akamaga Kill. But she's hotter. 
Oh, well, Esteth, I, I, I should have said that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I did not. I did not say that. I'm sorry. I don't know. I, I would say Esteth is is a bit better than Kilka. I I Ooh. I mean I I get the. I, I never get got the, the Esteth thing. Esteth is weird. I I, I don't know. Yeah, she it's, was it's, too driven with her work for me to enjoy. Yeah, but she uh, at least she had that Sundete thing going on. This I don't remember Sundete. Kyoka, Kyoka's the only Sundete in that show was Mine, wasn't it? I thought Mine was the the Sundete in that one. Esteth was really really into the the main character, so I don't know. Well, eventually, yes, yes. Um, I don't know. This this show is 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 kind of I I like its goofy antics. I really do. The, the the where this sh this show really shines is it's it's kind of weird humor that they've got going around the main cast. It, it is really just kind of this weird, awkward, goofy. All these girls are just how they interact with the main character is is just priceless. I love it. As far as <laughs> That was a full circle statement there. Yes, it is. Good it job, is, Chris. It is. I, I was like I, waiting I for the punchline that came back to the beginning. I'm like, okay, guess that wasn't going anywhere. Um, but outside of that, the the demon thing so far to me hasn't really gone anywhere. Um, I other than the sister, the sister, Spoiler. the sister popped up in the kind of like the last episode that I seen, and so I'm I know that I'm like, am I an episode or two episodes behind? I don't know. I don't even know if I'm up to date. You've I, seen I think, the sister. I think, I, I think I'm one episode because the 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 sister showed up in yeah, this, I, I, the I same got, episode as I got Giantist. A, I got the build up to Himari dueling her. Um, but you've seen Himari's power. I didn't know that Himari could borrow powers. So. Yeah, so Himari. Um, I thought she just had a gun and gun for her arm. So <laughs> yeah, they bring him in. You meet Sushi, who starts to basically force him to be her controlled as well, and. That's due to her, the fact that he's, she's got this picture of him looking over the edge at Himari. And then after her episode, we had um, the, essentially the showing up of Tenka and their group talking about this other, these other monsters that are showing up that's taking out squads. And then Himari ends up running into the person that she wants to beat. So she starts taking control of Yuki in order to duel her. And then I didn't watch the episode where they duel. So, yeah. Yeah, it was weird. The, the Himari thing was weird because they were mentioning like, Specifically, she was saying, I can mimic everybody's power. So he's like, why don't you use somebody's power like, uh, you know, Shushu? Like, you can become super big and take down something. And she's like, well, it doesn't really work right because my ability, it mimics other abilities, but it doesn't do it right. So she was mentioning with Shushu, if she used her ability, it, it would just increase her chest size. Like, she wouldn't grow taller and, and giant. She, it's like it would, it just doesn't work right for some reason. So it's kind of odd. That, and it makes you assume that maybe somebody's going to have the ability to turn their hands into weapons. Cause that's what she usually used at the beginning of the show. All she, the assumption was that her ability was to turn her arms into weapons. And so I'm guessing that maybe that was one of the few cases where she ran to somebody's ability that she mimicked that actually worked well for her. She says that it's like app, like apps on her phone that she like puts the abilities in that she can select them or whatever. So, um, yeah, my thoughts, I guess, uh, it's Okay. <laughs> Like, I, 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 it's doing better than I thought it would. Like, I came into this going, okay, seven arcs is gonna, be, it's gonna look like garbage. I know it's gonna look like garbage. Um, it doesn't look the greatest, but it doesn't look bad. Like, I, I, I'm actually impressed by how it ends up turning out because visually, it's a lot better than I thought it was gonna turn out to be. Um, I do like the concept behind like Kyoka controlling Yuki and fighting things, and there is like this kind of 
obviously uh, use and reward system that I, I think in the end is probably the only reason I'm watching it. <laughs> That's the sad thing. It's like nothing in the story wise or anything is doing anything for me other than like having like this sadistic sister siscon thing going on in the background where the sister badly wants to find Yuki because he's the most handsome person ever and she loved him uh him needing her help when she was a human and so now she really badly wants to find Yuki again other than that like I said the characters just aren't really doing much story-wise there's this whole aspect that Kyoka when she was younger this horned monster showed up and killed her entire village and that's why she thinks the current you know current leadership isn't doing their job right if she was a leader she would take them all out on a heartbeat so she wants to become the leader i don't care um it's like none of nothing really is doing anything for me really um himari's episodes were really good just like a, a, a chemistry wise but i'm at this point now where i realize when i step away from the show for like 10 minutes i don't really remember anything but besides like how absurd whatever reward is and so it's kind of turned to this point where I just want to watch the show to find out what crazy thing they're forced to do for Yuki, or at least Koka or Himari, if she uses him, is forced to do for Yuki. And other than that, like, nothing else is really working for me. So that's that's kind of where I'm struggling with the show right now, is that it's turned into just being looking for the etchy moments. Well, and, that, and that's what I mean. I Outside of their the chemistry between all the characters, I don't... the the main plot story is not doing anything. It, it It's just goofy antics. And that's about and the infighting. Thing that's, yeah. I always love infighting. <laughs> I always love when the world's ending, there's these monsters that are taken out and then they're infighting. They're having a duel to, to prove who's stronger. Cause they're, they, they have to do that, I guess. Um, that's always frustrating, but no, I, I, it was just happening right now with undead unlock. <laughs> An undead unlock is doing that. I was joking with somebody like, Oh, here's the infighting trope. The world's ending soon. Let's fight each other. Um, but no, it's it's okay. It's okay. And I, I, I do I do like the etchy. At least when the etchy happens, it's really good looking. Uh, I got a huge kick out of... I, I think my favorite episode so far was Himari. I, I think that was probably my favorite whole segment. Because there was an aspect to that one where it wasn't just Yuki being used by Himari because she wanted to prove herself. It was more of an aspect that it seemed like Yuki was actually learning. It was advancing his skills. He was learning how that he could like essentially focus on putting his strength into his legs to make himself super fast or whatever. And there was almost like there was actually a different form of him when Hamari was using him versus when he was being used by Kyoka. So it, it kind of opened that door to that idea of like how many other people are. It's like which which other character in this series is going to end up being with the power of Kyoka because, you know, he's going to I, I kind of think his it's gonna sister, be Tenka. obviously, I think it's going to be Tenka because they show in the ED with her with a collar. So I'm assuming either she just, Oh, that's true. Maybe I, I did wonder same, about that. Maybe she has the same ability as Kyoka, or maybe she's just going to have an ability that just controls him in general. Not necessarily. Maybe she has the ability to control people, not necessarily turn him into a monster. I know everybody seems to be obsessed with Yuki and it doesn't make any sense. This, this is one, this is one of the few harem type shows where I don't get the Yuki. What's special about Yuki. <laughs> It is it is very bare bones, and it's probably more in the idea that yes, technically he is in a he's in a side of the world or the universe or in a, in a dimension where there's no other men. <laughs> so these girls are these girls don't really. I mean, even Chuchu uh, says that very quickly. She's like, I don't even know what men look like down there or whatever. She kind of was in a little bit interested in him because she doesn't really hang out with boys at all. So yeah, 
it's goofy, but same time, not really doing much. So we'll see. Let's change soldier though. Change soldier. Uh, instant death ability. Instant death. Let's let's get into the let's get into the um, crossing show of the season, in my opinion. It's the show I don't know. I just don't know. My instant death ability is so overpowered, no one in this other world stands a chance against me. Uh, but yeah, this one is on High Dive, running for 12 episodes, uh, based on a light novel being done by Okuroto Noboru. And this one is opens up with Tokoto. And Tokoto, when we open up the show, he's waking up from con uh, being asleep, uh, being woken up by Danora, which is this girl in his class. Uh, yeah, they were on a field trip. And at some point when they were on the field trip, he fell asleep. And they went to this, this tunnel. They ended up in another world. And very quickly, this sage of this world showed up. And she basically told everybody in the bus, Hey, I'm a sage. I brought you this other world. I'm going to install something into y'all. And you all need to do these different missions and get stronger so that you can become sages too. And if you don't, you're just as good as livestock. Oh yeah, she also got angry for some reason, killed the teacher, and then proceeded to kill the bus driver because she just got angry that nobody laughed at her joke. And nobody panicked. Um, these kids are built different, apparently. And then, yeah, she leaves them. And immediately, all the students that actually got the install, because not all of them did, um, they glowed when they got the installed. And Donoro, uh, Donora and Takato and two others didn't glow. So they apparently did not get installed with this system to become sages. Uh, well, everybody that didn't glow, that glowed, they all kind of conversed to find out what their abilities are and then uh, figured they were going to trap them there, the ones that didn't glow, that didn't get installs, and let the dragon basically be baited to them and then they'll come back and kill the dragon. And so they leave, and again, this is all when Takato's asleep. Dragon shows up, kills the other two students, and Donora wakes up. Takato says, we gotta do something, this dragon's gonna kill us. And Takato says, die, and the dragon dies. Well, uh, yeah, after this, three of the students return, and they were gonna come back to check on what happened with the dragon and finish it off or something. And one of them wanted to turn, one of their abilities was to turn people, dead people into zombies. And they want to turn Donora into a zombie because they really liked her. And then Takato ends up killing two of them and leaves the other one alive. And then comes to find out these three students were apparently isekai'd before. Uh, during like a spring break or something like that. They got isekai'd to this world and they killed the demon lord and they got isekai'd back. I don't know. that. Who cares because two of them are dead now. Um, <laughs> Takato and Donora just start, start to travel to go to the royal capital where apparently that's where they were supposed to go initially. And along their way, they're basically running into some of the students who have kind of broken off from the group. They're running into bad guys and bandits and stuff like that. Takoto's just killing them all by saying die. At some point, he tries to figure out exactly how he can control his death ability. Like, see if he can kill, like, a limb. But no, they just keep dying no matter what limb he chooses. He did end, end up killing somebody's eyes, and they didn't die. So the eyes, apparently, are something he can kill separately. And even if they, like kill like rip the eye out and like this vampire rips the eye out and then turns him into a vampire and it regrows it still doesn't come back um it's weird but yeah it, kind of the overall story itself it seems to be implying this idea that this is a world where sages are bringing different people from other worlds into it and trying to turn them into sages so they can fight off 
these uh, visitors that are coming to the the world itself. And that seems to be it. <laughs> like this sage that first initially brought them, Sion, she is just basically watching from a distance, watching their stat screens and seeing how some of them are dying. There's kind of a concern they have that, that somebody, the ability that somebody got coming to this world was instant death, which is basically what Takuto is. Um, towards the later episodes that I've watched, they sort of imply this idea that the other students themselves have were monitoring Takato before. Like, before they even came to this world, they have been monitoring Takato, which sort of plays into the opening scene of the entire series where it shows him in sort of an elfin lead laboratory walking around and people screaming and alarms going off. And then somebody takes this lady hostage and Takato tells that person to die and they fall over dead. So it kind of implies that Takato might be some sort of lab experiment or something. Maybe it was lab experiment in order to go to this other world and fight it or something. I don't know. He's going around telling everybody to die. Um, Donna, uh, we kind of find out that she has like this spirit of her family that's been protecting her and starts to give her magical items to use, like a sword that was apparently her underwear. Um, yeah. Did you say you watch any of this? Yeah. So what's your thoughts? On it's Chine about that on exciting. Chine, the, the, the anime. It's about that exciting. Is it's it's literally I want it to work because there's so many weird things up in here that could be interesting, but it doesn't I don't have any faith in this 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 writer's ability to follow through with any of them. It's it's literally just Takuto walking around and saying Shanae at everything. It, it before the monster transforms though, that was mean that was bad. He's like transforming and he's just Sinead and he dies and Donora's like, you can't do that while he's transforming. <laughs> he's like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to wait for him to transform first. I mean, he, 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 he Sinead the poor, uh, the cat poor little girl. cat girl. Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that, that, that was, was, that was harsh. That was I, the I've been fine with all of them, but the, the cat girl was like, a. tell me she's going to stand up and, and it's going to be okay. Maybe, maybe it doesn't work on beast girls. Yeah. No. But it, at any rate, I, I, I keep watching it in hopes that it it kind of follows through with some of these these in, these things that like I said there there's some things that are kind of interesting but at the same time I I really don't have a lot of faith in it. I, it at this point it's just kind of who's going to beat the Shanae ability is is really all it is. I I I'm actually I'm kind of curious about the vampire lady if if they're actually going to pull something off with that. Um I mean, that's, I guess, probably about as far as I got I, because it's, it's, it's not, I, I, I am generally, you know, brain turn off, watch the show and, it, it, and, and just generally amused by it. But at the, at the same time, it's, it's, it's not doing anything amazing. I just, I kind of want to see something cool out of it. I think my frustration really comes in the idea that I feel like it's all, all over the place. Like there's just. Too many characters that I don't even know what their purpose is. Like, for example, they're they're on the train to go somewhere, and then suddenly he, you know, he tackles down Donata, and half the train gets wiped out because this hero slash sage, I don't know what he was, was fighting this visitor. Again, the visitors are the ones that seem like they're coming from other worlds and attacking this The ones world. in the mechas? Yeah, the mecha was one of the visitors. And so the hero sage slash whatever was attacking the mecha to take it out. And then 
Tokura, Takura, in response to the fact that he this hero is blasting everything, and again, technically wiped out a bunch of people from the train, Takura decided to kill him. Like, he's being too much of a threat to harm me and Donara, so I'm going to kill him. So he kills the hero, um, slash Sage. I don't remember what they called him. Then the robot's like, no, please don't stop. I'm not, I'm not aggressive. And he goes on to explain that, yes, he's from this other dimension where they have all this high technology and he's here to, to do something. I don't know. And then later on, yes, you run into this big, this devouring darkness thing that's going through and just turning everything into sand and just wiping out everything. And there's no indication yet what any of these people are doing. I don't know, is, is the vampire Lane, Lane is she an isekai? Is, is Sion, was she originally an isekai and she became a sage here and now she's bringing other isekais in here? I don't know who's an isekai or who not. I'm at the point now where I don't even know which of these kids that they're running into that are sages that are, you know, like the one that was fighting the, the armored soldier or the mecha. I don't even know if he was possibly with, with Takuda's class. They weren't talking like they uh, they recognized him. So I'm guessing not. Um, there's one guy that shows up to attack Lane. It seems to imply that he was coming in to kill all the sages. So there, it's sort of implying this idea that there's three different factions. There is the sages of the world, who seemingly are arrogant and people don't like very much. There are the isekais that are coming in to become powerful enough to, I guess, become sages. That some of them do want to fight back against the sages. And then you have the isekais that are just trying to, I guess, turn into sages. It's just... There's so many characters and it's jumping around so much and I don't recognize half the people on the screen half the time that I don't know. I can't get my bearings, I guess, is the best way to put it. And I don't know if that's pro it's most likely because they're just not doing a very good job of adapting it. Maybe they're just rushing way too fast. But like besides Tachibana and the very end of the recent episodes that I watched where it showed uh, the samurai girl, which apparently had the app that was supposed to be tracking Takata before they came there. Besides, like, those groups, I don't really... I don't know who the hell these people are, whether I should care or what. Well, it, I, I think that Tachibana is an, an excellent example of kind of one of my... One of the main reasons why I gave up a lot of hope on this show. Tachibana, I'm assuming he was the, he was the, the one that was controlling all the girls, right? Yeah. And he, he, it was kind of this moment of, okay, this is your first kind of real test where you will be showing us, okay, what is Takato at, at this moment of against another, uh, sage per se, it, is he going, is, is this one going to be able to give him a little bit of a, a little bit of trouble? Well, Takato, I don't think was a sage. They're trying to become sages, right? Well, they the they're all they were all installed the with the, the sage mecha. software or whatever have you, and his sage software was the one to was, um, dominance or something. I don't. Yeah, that was his ability. I don't know. I, yeah, they could be they could be classified as sages. Sion said that they're supposed to build up to become sages. So my assumption is that they're not sages yet. I don't. Okay. Know. Like I, said, wait, I don't. I don't know. The, I. 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 I, I sh I'm sorry. I didn't say anything. I don't care. I hate these stupid titles. I hate who is who and what. All what. I know is they were get. They were installed some kind of software. I the think software the sage he fought would probably have been Lane because technically Lane was specifically called a sage. So Lane should have been the first one that he's actually fought. Okay. So did Lane give him any trouble? 
Because no. for sure Tachibana didn't give she him rained, She created duplicates of herself and rained them upon him so that he could not kill her because she thought that they were meteorites. And then he eventually, uh, Donora used her ancestor's ability to shield them while she, because they keep pointing out the fact that Donora has a really good sight. Like she keeps saying, look at this. And he's like, I can't see that. Look at this. Oh man, I can't believe you can see that. <laughs> so they keep pointing out that she can see things really well. Um, but she, yeah, she blocks it and then he, she nays one of the falling lanes and then it kills her way over there. And then she pops up in front of a, like a lolly lane who pops out of a casket. So he technically didn't kill her because she still has a duplicate that is a cute little lolly. So we have a lolly vampire coming. Cool. And it seems like she knows Takato for some reason. So is it cool. I'm going to watch the next episode. Cool. So get the lolly um, lane. <laughs> No, uh, when it comes down to it, a, a, the, as far as I seen, Tachibana was really kind of the first um, moment where you could have really kind of put against Takuto. Now, I mean, we've we've made no no bones about it. We don't much care for um, OP characters, and this is basically what he is. Um, at least with some of the other ones, they tried every once in a while. You have it's very hit and miss. Yeah, like they, they, they it depends on how much creativity you go into it with. And this one, it, just him walking around going, Shanae, that to me, there's not much creativity involved in that. Tachibana, the create the amount of creativity was that he had a bunch of roaches around uh, Takato. And yet Takato was still able to because find the source. Yeah, find the he source. He was able to find and, the source, which I'm assuming is probably how he did Lane. Is because of all of the uh, the lanes, he was able to find the one. And no, he and, killed. He just killed one of the the duplicates, and it killed the main. There, okay. there seems to be this Either emphasis, way. like there's like an absoluteness to his his killing. Like it, it was, it was kind of pointed out with the whole limb killing. Like he's he's saying die foot and it kills the entire person. There's like the sense of like absoluteness to what he says. Like even the spirit of um, Donora's family, she's like terrified of Takato because even though she, it's a spirit, it, it could still delete her. So there's like a fear there. Um, no, my thoughts. I I I I just like Donora. It's Kanane, basically. Like, Donana, Donana is Kanane from 100 Girlfriends. Like, it's her seiyu. It has that, like... She has, like, that exaggerated, like, screaming all the time. And I really do feel like, without Donana... I, I, I do feel like it's it's legit purposeful that Takuto has Donana at his side at all times. Because they're sort of a, they're sort of a, a single character. Like, no matter where they go, they, they play off each other kind of really well. And the idea that Takuto alone is just as close as you can get to emotionless. Like, he has no sympathy. He's literally, like, just axing down his classmates without even crying about it. Doesn't even feel a thing about it. Uh, but there seems to be a semblance there of self-control. He's even trying to establish a self-control there. Like, at some point, Donara, who was it? I think it was Tachibana. She, like, was creeped out by Tachibana. So she's like, um, you, you, you should probably get rid of him. And, he's, and Takuto's like... I really don't think I should do that because I think we need, I think we need just, he said something like we need to set boundaries here because I don't want to just become a killing machine. She's like, oh yeah, you're right. We probably should do that. Like there, there's almost like, Donada can tell him to kill somebody and he'll kill them. 
And then there's times where Takotoa won't kill somebody, and Donano's like, you shouldn't have killed that person. And there's constantly, like, this back and forth as to even if they care about moralities or not. Um, half the time, they just don't seem to care. Like, it just, it's so nonchalant about it. And that was sort of my argument that I had with the first episode. I hated the first episode. Um, I don't hate the show really much after that, but I just, there was a... There was a difficulty in accepting this writer and how they handled things because it literally opens up with the classroom of kids that go to another world and immediately, without even a question, literally leave four of the classmates to die. Like, they just, no debate. They just, like, they become murderers that easy. They're like, eh, whatever. Well, like, literally, the, one of the girls uh, casted a a beautifying spell like her ability was like literally a provoke she can make things enticing so she used her provoke ability on the four that were not selected essentially or installed and then she does it like <laughs> there you go and walks away i'm like no person would be that like casual about killing four people um there was like this frustration over that and i mean it was it goes to what i was talking about earlier you had this sion lady showed up she literally blows up the teacher. Nobody says anything. She blows up the, the the bus driver. Nobody does anything. Like, there's a little bit of, like, shiver in some of the characters. But it's like, no, they would be jumping out. A normal person would be jumping out of the windows of the bus to get away. But they're just, like, chilling there. Um, and then, like, literally, Donna waking up Takato. And there's a student behind them impaled by the dragon's tail. And she's so casual about it. Like, Takato, wake up. Something's bad's happening. And then he's like, hold on a second. Pulls out his his uh, game console, starts playing. And he's like, are you calm now? And she's like, yeah, I'm calm now. Okay, explain the situation. Like, there's a bodies laying all over the place. And she's just like, oh, let me tell you about what happened. These characters don't act at all like people. <laughs> None of this makes any sense. After a while, I just stopped caring. And I just figured this writer just sucks at writing people. Now, there is indication with the whole thing with the, the samurai girl kind of explaining or having this app that tracks Takato. They're, I'm, I'm wondering if there's going to be an explanation for how these people act. Because they all act like dirtbags, disgusting psychopaths. Like, from the get-go of writing there. So, my, my, my current prediction is that... He's going to um, shenay them. My current <laughs> prediction is that the samurai girl and probably the entire classroom... All of them are possibly um, working for an organization that it that Takato came from. Like Takato was engineered by this corporation to be this killer, hoping that one day he'd be sucked into this alternate world and that he would defeat that world. Like this organization, our world, crafted him to destroy that world. And all the other students were there to monitor him. Now, you would assume that at some point, Donora would actually indicate that, but it could be that maybe three or four classmates possibly did not, um, were not part of that whole thing. Maybe it's anybody that didn't glow besides Takato. Maybe Donora and the other two students that they left behind. Maybe those ones were just normal students. Uh, but even with Donora, they're indicating that her family's tied in with something. So my, my prediction is going to be that it's not that they're like a bunch of heartless psychopaths. It's just more the fact that they all know that Takato was going to survive. So they just all left him. But you would assume that they would say something in that regard. Because, like, they're going, you can't leave Takato. He's asleep. Ah, don't worry about him. He's asleep. He deserves to die or something like that. It's like, if they were monitoring him, they knew that he was from a secret organization, they would probably say something at that point. Because they're in another world being about to be killed by a dragon. 
but that's me making an assumption that this writer is going to have like good writing in here. I just feel like there is a side of me that kind of likes this show just because it's so off the wall. A lot of it, again, is my enjoyment of Donada's chemistry with Takado. But I, I just, I think it's it's too all over the place. There's too many characters. I don't know half of who these characters are. If they're isekais, if they're sages, if they're if they're native to the world, if they're not native to the world, if they're visitors, if they're not visitors, um, who they're working for, what their faction are. It's just a mishmash of people all clammed together, choosing which one Takado says day, dead to. Just go with the flow on it. Right. That's about it. Cross Ange. I wouldn't put it in the same levels as Cross Ange. I enjoyed Cross Ange a million times more than this. Well, then you're missing the joke about Cross Ange then. <laughs> Anyways, that's that's my instant death ability. Wrong way to use healing magical. Um, Chris is watching that one. I um, first debate with Andrew. I don't know if I, I I don't know how far up is it. Anyways, uh, yeah, my 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 heal. Just look it up, Andrew. Healing ability. Wrong uh, way heal magic. There it is. Wrong way to use healing magic or chiyu maho no machigata, machigata sukai kata. This one is Shinny Animation and Studio Ad. Based on a light novel, action fantasies, genres. And this falls Kin Usato. And Kin Usato is pretty much a, a, a super normally, but like has like nothing going for him. And he kind of feels like an outcast. At some point, he is going to go to go home, but then he forgot his umbrella. And at some point, two of the most popular people of the school show up: Suzune uh, Inukami and and Kazuki Ryusen. And they just kind of walk up, and they're like, "Hey, you don't have an umbrella here? You can use mine." Gives uh, gives him an umbrella, and they all start walking home together. And this time, uh, Usato is kind of learning that Inukami and Ryusen are like really good people. Like they're not they're not like he imagined. Like the the most popular kids at school would be like. Um, you have Inukami's asking the other two what their their future plans are because she kind of has an interest in people's future plans because she doesn't have any of her own. And then at some point, uh, Ryusen and Inukami hear a bell chime, and they're like, "What's that sound?" And he's like, "What are you guys talking about?" And then suddenly this circle appears below their feet and Usato runs out there to find out, you know, goes out there, rush out to them and gets stuck in the circle itself. And all three of them gets teleported to this throne room in this other world. And the king's there and he's like, thank you heroes for coming here. Immediately Rusin's like, hey, what the hell are you doing? Why'd you bring us here? Send us back. And the king's like, oh, we can't do that. Inukami's over here freaking out because she's like a insane like isekai nerd. Like she loves manga and light novel about isekai. Um, Usato's over here. He's freaking out because Inukami's like wrecking all images that he has of her because she's not like the the beautiful, you know, prim and proper rich girl, you know, rich uh, popular girl like he's always imagined. She's actually like a total geek and she's just just foaming at the mouth at the idea of being isekai'd. Um, but yeah. Eventually, Usato kind of calms down Rusin and says, "No, look, they said that they can't send us back. Let's just let's just find out what's going on, and we'll go from there. It's nothing we can do about it fighting back right now." But yeah, the king's like, "Yeah, we're you're here to to save us all. I'm sorry we brought you here. We have no choice. We're gonna die otherwise." Um, they kind of agree to it. He ends up sending them off to being having their kind of abilities checked. And this is where we kind of find out also that those that hear the chime in the other world are summoned here. And will be the heroes of the world. 
and this is already kind of bringing up question marks like Usato didn't hear it, so this is not a good thing. <laughs> they go to this other room, they touch this crystal ball, and each one of them are getting their abilities given to them. Inokami has the ability, has this inept, has the ability of lightning, so she can use lightning magic. Uh, Rusin has the ability of light, so he's more like a, a holy knight kind of light character. And then Usato goes over there and touches it, and it glows green. And the lady testing them freaks out, immediately grabs him and runs back to the king and says, oh my gosh, it showed green. And the king just freaks out like, holy crap, not good. <laughs> we got to get this guy out of here. And just as they're kind of planning how they're going to basically get him the heck out of the kingdom, and Isato's going, what the hell's going on? What's wrong with green? Uh, suddenly, Rose shows up. This lady busts through the door, and the king's like, wait, Rose, I thought you were gone for now. Why, why are you back? And she's like, oh, yeah, I just uh, had some things to take care of. So, how'd the whole thing with the heroes go? Did you find anything special? And he's like, no, it, everything went great. Nothing nothing special. Just the normal abilities, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to get out of here. As Rose leaves, Usato asks the king, but wait, what's wrong with Green? <laughs> and Rose hears this, and then everybody freaks out, tries to get him the heck out of there, but then Rose grabs him and runs off to her search and rescue squad healing place that she trains people. And this thus begins her putting him through strenuous training because eventually the demon Lord will show up and they're going to need some great healers, which is extremely rare in this world. That's why they're freaking out about the idea of him being green. Healers are extremely rare in the world and he's just this rarity. So the training kind of involves him doing a lot of physical exercise and stuff like that. And as he's doing it, he's realizing his healing ability is activating on its own to sort of regenerate his body so that he can keep pushing himself further and further. He really quickly gets like, just gets decked out with muscles, much to the enjoyment of Inukami, who really likes muscles. <laughs> uh, eventually, yes, Ryusen and Inukami show up at some point, say that they're training in the kingdom, they're all getting ready to to fight the demon lord and everything, and Usato's talking about how he's really working hard in order to be able to support them and everything, so... And then, yes, eventually, Rose kicks Usato out on a training mission to kill a bear. He ends up killing a snake, coming back with a cub because the bear died. And eventually goes on a mission with Inukami where they get separated from the group and we kind of find uh, Inukami's desires in this new world. Because we already got a sense really early on, like right off the bat, the moment they got there, Ryusin doesn't like this. He's like, send us back. Don't want to be here. How dare you bring us here? Usato is kind of a very go with the flow kind of person. <laughs> and Inukami, she sort of reveals the idea that she was stifled before. Like in her in the other world, she wasn't allowed to do what she wanted to do. Whereas here she's finally able to do what she wants to do and she's excited about it. She she literally does not want to go back. And Usato kind of falls in that same category where he felt like in the previous life he wasn't amounting to anything. Nothing was special about him. But at least here he's able to do something to help others. So Yeah, that's that's the story thus thus far and apparently there's this cute little fox girl but she showed up twice and that's it yeah they keep they keep like he's <laughs> showing her and she's on the yeah, cover yeah exactly like she's legit on the cover art and we're what six episodes in and she legit has only shown up for like three seconds so far this this part alone puts this this show from great to good okay because this they could, showed because, a fox girl exactly. for three seconds. And they won't let us have the fox girl. Man, that and, makes it great that they won't give us no, the fox girl. No, no, no. <laughs> it goes from great to good. Oh, I got gotcha. you. This is why it's only good instead of a great show. No, no. Honestly, I 
I generally like the show. I, I, I have this. How can you not like Chris? When was the last time we had a group isekai where the other isekais are not trash? Inukami's fantastic, <laughs> and Ryusen's a good dude. Like it so feels weird. Like I was, I, mean, I was I telling like everybody when I was watching the first two episodes, I'm like. I feel really weird because I'm watching a show where the other isekais don't turn out to be dirtbags. Like, I'm waiting for Rusin to totally backstab Usato. I'm like, I'm waiting for it to happen. No, they're both good people. This is weird. Because we just legit like, came out of uh, Shield Hero. It's like, we've, we've, had, we've had quite a few isekais where the other... No, I'm saying we just got done watching third season of Shield Hero, and so it, I guess that's why it's so fresh in the mind that the other isekais ha always have to be trash. I mean, instant death ability... Is another one. Everybody's trashed except for the main character. But no, here Inukami is like the sweetest thing ever, and she's probably like one of the biggest waifus of the season so far. And Rusin's a cool dude who apparently is going to get with the princess, I'm assuming. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm actually more expecting her to end up being the bad guy and the trying princess? to manipulate and trying to manipulate uh, Ryusen into the princess. I, I, yeah, for whatever reason, yeah. she's coming. He's she's like, coming off as that. Tell me she's I, not coming I, off as that to you. I like how my point is, is that I'm so shocked that the other Isekais are such nice people. And Chris is looking to take the most innocent so far and go, <laughs> that chick going to get everybody. Like, he's he's just like me. He's looking for that person that's going to be the diabolical killer that that nobody's seen coming. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like I said with Rusin, like I'm waiting for him to turn into the bad guy. Like suddenly he goes, yeah, actually I wanted to, I wanted to have a peaceful life. So I'm going to get with a demon chick that just showed up for like two seconds in the third episode. I mean, I mean, Cecilia or Celia is, is cute. She really is. I, I, I just, I don't know for some odd reason that she just, she came off as that type of character that I, I don't know why, and maybe 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 I'll be wrong. Watch, watch and, the, and she can the stay Fox cute, girl. but as it stands right now, I I don't know. No, it's gonna she, be the Fox Girl. She'll be the bad guy. It better not be the Fox Girl. I'll be <laughs> pissed. <laughs> she'll like look so innocent, and she'll be like, "I'll help you guys out." And then like she helps him with like getting some apples from the marketplace, and then suddenly she just pulls out a a, a butter knife and stabs Hisato in the back where he can't heal himself. No, no. <laughs> and then he gets these set guy into instant kill ability world. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know what it is about this show. I really don't. I I, I, I like most all of the characters. I I, I, lo I love Rose. I, I love most of the 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 isekai the, the besides two isekai the fact that Rose gives characters. me besides the fact that Rose gives me like Ghislaine uh, vibes, <laughs> I don't really care for her. Like there is like this almost like I'm waiting for her to just like grunt in response to something, just like Ghislaine does, but I'm like, no, she's just the she's just the I guess the big teddy bear. I wouldn't even call her big teddy bear. She's like just big oaf that is strong and wants him to fight at her side. And she's apparently has never found anybody that is worthy to stand at her side because everybody else is weak. But he's gotten strong enough that she's like, yeah, you could be at my side. She's totally in love with him. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's this weird thing that, um, when it comes to the healing, I came into this show. That's the weakest thing of the show, isn't it? It is. The ability. I, 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 <laughs> There's nothing interesting about it. I wanted, um, I wanted something that was. You wanted a great was... cleric, didn't you? No, I definitely don't. 
I did so like the con- I did like the concept of using the healing ability in a different way. And that was really kind of what was on the box that I was really kind of curious about. What are they going to do the break Wrong the way healer to use mode? healing? Um, and, and that was what I really wanted. And um, I do kind of like the idea of the using healing to kind of um, rejuvenate the, the muscles because that's that's technically what you're doing. And when you you break down your muscles, you re, your, your body is naturally rebuilding them while you sleep. They're just shortcutting it by bypassing the entire thing of resting. Okay, resting. So, so that's kind of cool. I, I like that idea. I want more. Don't just stop there. I, I, I actually kind of, in a way, weird way, I hope developers are paying attention to this because this is c- something that you can use to break the dynamics of healing. I, I, I think that this is something that is really interesting and I would really love a story around changing the dynamics of healers. And I, that's one of the things that I'm hoping at least at some point without being we got to start. Healer. Without being redo of healer. Yeah, without being redo of healer. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's that's what's technically the wrong way to use healing magic, depending on who you ask. <laughs> yeah, that's I think I've I've heard this echoed and I've echoed it from many people. That seems to be like this show's biggest weakness is that there's just nothing really. There's nothing interesting about the ability that he has. It's is literally just the unbeatable dude that's just gonna. My assumption is his way of fighting and whatnot's gonna be. Yes, he has massive muscles. It's going to make him be able to hit things and move fast and whatnot. Rose initially implied to him that it was all about getting strong enough that you can get in and get out to help people. You're going to get in there and heal Inukami. You're going to get in there to heal Rusin. And then you get the hell out. You're going to get in there, grab a body, get out. It's all this idea of a field medic, basically, on the, on the mm-hmm. battlefield. Now it seems to imply the idea that Rose wants Usato to fight at her side on the front line and so my assumption there is it's going to be yes pure muscle punch and kick things while healing yourself because you can never die like he's going to basically outlast his opponents i guess because there's nothing really going on with this unless they imply later on that yes healing has a reverse effect on demons maybe it's like an undead thing where his ability like if he touches a demon he can heal them and it hurts them or something there's unless they do something like that, it doesn't seem like right now they're doing anything with this this world to make it unique, other than the fact that the other isekais aren't dirtbags. Yeah, they, I mean, when it, they all they did was they just changed. You've got the hero and the other hero, and then for whatever reason, the healer becomes the OP character. I, that's that's not what I came in here for. It is is really the the frustration that I have with it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things where in the context of the world, healing is super rare. But it's just that Rose is taking that ability and using it in a way that's unique to make it over... Essentially, Rose is the one that figured out how to make OP. In the world's context, I think the idea of using healing abilities is super rare and very sought after, but nobody has... In, in, in its basic form, all it is to heal things, but Rose has figured out how to basically trick the system. So she's basically done all the work for Sato in a way. Um, yeah, visually it it looks it looks decent. I think it looks decently well. Um, a lot of action stills, but kind of be expected. But I think it's got a it's got a very contrasting and very popping color to it, which I do like. Um, but yeah, most of my enjoyment for the series so far has come around Usato and Unikami's like chemistry. 
I think they're already kind of setting up the two of them to sort of have a relationship. And I like how they're kind of not shying away from it. It, I kind of assume that Rusin's probably gonna get with the princess, but at, at least it shows like there is a sign of relationships and there's a bond that's already created between Usato and Inukami. It doesn't seem like Usato is like a complete oblivious protagonist, which is kind of nice. Like Inukami's throwing down the hints and it seems like Usato's kind of picking up on those hints. Um, hopefully that doesn't turn into something bad happening to Inukami. I, 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 I don't see this show ever getting dark. It just doesn't seem like a dark show, but it's been fine so far. I've gotten a couple chuckles out of the show. Like, I, I really love, like, the reaction of the king and everybody to Usato and, like, panicking when Rose showed up. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Inukami's, like, reaction to Usato having muscles and the bear. I love the bear scene. <laughs> Like when when Inukami, Inukami first meets the bear, yeah, he like just bats her hand away, and then she gets all like excited about it. And later on, he's asleep, and so Usato helps out the bear by slapping her hand away, and she seems like she kind of likes it. Um, their chemistry is really fun. I, I I really do like Usato and Inukami. They've been a really great little pair. And while the rest of the show doesn't seem to be doing anything, um, that kind of leads me to not being like very quick to suggesting the show to really anybody because it hasn't really done much outside of that so yeah that's that's the show that's um wrong way to heal using healing magic wrong way to use an op sekai character <laughs> uh what else tell wedding rings did you want to watch that first or you want to i'll watch it uh pon no michi you're not watching pon no michi are you nope pon 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 no michi i don't know I've been kind of putting off on on talking about this show. Like, I even thought about making a video on it, but I'm like, I don't know. I just have nothing to talk about with this show. So this is probably a quick one. But, um, yeah, Panomichi, one of the two, maybe three shows this season that has not been licensed by anybody. Uh, it's done by Studio OLM. It's an, an original series. And it essentially opens up with Nashiko, and she's getting currently yelled at by her mother because she's too loud. Like, it shows her, like, literally cheering on her favorite idols on a live stream with like sticks in her hand and yelling and the mom gets mad at her says that he, she makes too much noise and hangs out at home too much and she wants to kick her out well as she's out and about she ends up getting a text from her father hearing that uh, what happened and the dad says i have an option for you i have a place that you can hang out it's my old shogi shop and he had like this little cafe shogi place and he's offering it to her to hang out in she gets there. She's all excited. Like, yeah, cool. I have a place to hang out and everything. I can do whatever I want. She opens up the back door and there's a bunch of boxes in there. And there's a letter from the father saying he was predicting that she, she would eventually need somewhere to hang out. So move all this stuff outside and then you can you, you can hang out here. So she ends up calling up. Uh, well, her friend Pi ends up calling up Izumi and they all show up to help her move everything out. At which point they discover a... Mahjong. Mahjong, yes. Mahjong. I was trying to think of the stupid Mahjong... Uh, Mahjong... Um, the Mahjong King? The, the, the Mahjong game. They had an anime for it. I don't know. Mahjong something. <laughs> There's an app, and at some point, yes, they get really into the app. So I'm guessing there was a commercial for it. Um, that's what I was trying to bring it up for. Uh, but anyways, yes, they find a Mahjong thing, and they start playing Mahjong, and very quickly, they they actually, actually when, before anybody showed back up there, uh, Nashiko ended up running into this bird uh, who they later called Chunbo, and this bird's like a spirit of of the game and helps her learn how to play it and everything like that. And very quickly kind of skim through a quick walkthrough on how it's played. I didn't gather a thing from it. So I'm guessing the tutorial sucked. <laughs> it's always great when you have like a very, like almost no understanding of a game 
and the and it seems like the show is supposed to is taking the time to show you how to play it and in turn her learn how to play it and i got nothing from that explanation so i'm like whatever you explained should not have worked for her but she did technically go off to the side to learn more information through like some manga they had on the side and yeah anyways as far as i've been able to tell it's a bizarre version of uh gin rummy or rummy yeah. yeah i was thinking that either that or um or blackjack but that's again what i gathered from it but anyways but yeah they they, they they show up, they start playing the game very quickly. They start enjoying it. Time passes by quickly. They go home, come back the next day, hang out again. Eventually, some girl shows up named Reesh, and she's like some prim and proper girl. And she apparently came to this cafe when she was very young and got to play the game with the staff there. Like, apparently, they put away their drinks and everything so that she can hang out with them. Because um, there's laws against that, apparently. <laughs> Like how they go out of the way to say, but they didn't do any of this stuff while she was there because we got to make sure that we don't, we're not encouraging people to break the law in Japan. Uh, but yeah, they played the game with her. And so she wanted to come back and play the game again. And then eventually like at the fifth episode, this other girl ends up seeing them playing the Mahjong game on the app, which is an advertisement. And so she used the username of one of the users that were on the social media network, which was the Rish girl, to find out that she was taking pictures in front of that store. And so she rushed all the way over there in order to see her and play her game. Because he apparently was that obsessed with her. She did some great moves! So she had to go find her and challenge her again! And yeah, every now and then they'll, they'll do different things inside the place that's not Mahjong. Like they'll, you know, fix up some food in there, stock the, the freezer, because that's exciting, um, clean up other stuff. And yeah, have tea. That's that's been Pon Nomichi so far. Um, I'm just gonna be very clear. I just I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I just legit don't care. After within two episodes, I think I was pretty sold on the idea that this show was not for me. I don't know who it's for, but it's not for me. I'm not getting any of the references. I'm not getting any of the jokes. It seems like there's like a big emphasis on that gambling dude. Uh, that gambling dude, what was it called? Kaiji or something like that? Kaji. Kaji. They they make the Kaji faces like every two seconds. It seems like half the jokes are references to that show or that manga, whatever. And everything else is pretty much just them playing Mahjong and making the stupidest jokes in between each move that literally makes no sense. Like none of the jokes are making land. None of it are. None of it's funny. I, again, it could be them referencing things that I'm just not getting. But this is like the first time in a long time I've watched the show, and I literally just don't get any of it. Like none of the jokes are landing for me. I don't. None of it's making me laugh. Um, I do like the characters. They're they're cute. They got some good personality between them. Um, uh, but like as a whole, oh no, there was jo one joke that I was laughing at. It was Izumi at some point at the end of one of the episodes. They got ice pops out. And they hand it to everybody, and they're like, oh, ice pops. Oh, yay, ice pops. And then Izumi says, oh, I forget what she said. It was something like um, pop ice or something like that. Like, she said something completely different. It sounded almost very suggestive the way that she said it, but I don't think that was the case in Japan. But, yeah, they, they all kind of paused for a second when she said what she called it, and they all looked it up on the phone, and they said, oh, it looks like different places calls it different things. And then she said the name again. I, I got a, a little bit of a chuckle out of that, but other than that, like, I'm just not getting anything from the show overall. Um, I was hoping, my hope for, like, driving myself past third episode and the fourth episode and then finally in the fifth episode was hoping that this one character that me and Chris seen in the previews 
was going to be a fun character, and that was the goth girl. Um, she finally shows up in the fifth episode, and she's just blah. <laughs> like, there is something to ne Nesuko's, like, reaction to her. Like, she thinks that she's a thug or something because how she dressed. Because, again, she's got, like, she looks like a goth girl. Um, but her herself just wasn't really adding any more elements to the chemistry that I was kind of searching for. The characters are all kind of just very okay. Like, Pi is just the very kind of... She seems like she's very kind of cutesy, but she's got, like, a lot of silliness to her. Um, Izumi is kind of like the tomboy character, a lot more kind of rough. And then you have Rish is the, again, rich girl that just wants to buy everything and help everybody out with buying everything. Nashiko is just kind of kind of the oddball coming into the picture especially with the game itself and it seems like um hanaru she's gonna be the one just that just wants to beat everybody it seems like that's gonna be her shtick but yeah it's it's shrug and so i guess everybody can take heart knowing that despite the fact that nobody picked up this license you're not missing out on anything <laughs> it's like it's like there's another show um isekai onsen that is not licensed that i would have liked that to have been licensed but Pandomechi, I, I i don't think anybody's missing anything unless you're a big fan of it is a, it if you're looking for a pure cute girl doing cute things it, it kind of fits in that category but it's not, i don't think the chemistry and the comedy and the writing is there enough to carry it like i'm all for cute girls doing cute things but i need i need to work like i need the chemistry to be there or something so and these girls just aren't aren't really doing it. Besides Pi looking somewhat like um, Chisato from Licorice Coil. But other than that, there's just just shrug. So that's pon 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 Michi. Danger to my heart. It is time, Chris. It is time to talk about the anime of the year last year. Anime of the year this year, possibly. Dangers in My Heart, Boku no Kokoro no Yabai Yatsu Season 2. Um, I Before I forget, I take every opportunity that I can to remind people that Crunchyroll Anime Awards did not, judges did not select Dangers in My Heart for romance or really anything for 2024's Anime of the Year for 2023 and 2022 anime. And I think that is an absolute travesty. So shame on them. Anyways, sorry. Uh, Danger My Heart second season. <laughs> uh, Genie Animation still doing it. Still has the same staff, same musician, which is excellent. Same director. Everything's included with it. Uh, for those who don't know, Danger My Heart essentially opens up with Ichikawa, who is like a fan of murder mysteries and, and gruesome murders and stuff like that. He constantly fantasizes about the idea of seeing his classmates, you know, murdered and stuff like that. And one of his targets of fixation is Yamada in his class who is knowingly a model and he just like she would be the best one he's like I wish I could see her covered in blood and all that kind of stuff anyways at some point he his little like getaway is the library he likes to hang out in there and just read books and it is invaded by Yamada one day she kind of comes in there and starts eating her snacks he kind of is frustrated with it but like over time you kind of get this sense that Ichikawa kind of goes out of his way in order to help Yamada out with things. And she constantly gives him wrappers and stuff like that or the food that she's eating, which is kind of weird. Um, but it, it seems like there's, over time, you get the sense that Ichikawa has a little bit of a fascination with Yamada. 
all leading up to this one point where Ichikawa uh, sneaks into this um, after Yamada gets injured playing basketball in PE. Yamada, Ichikawa sneaks into the infirmary, ends up overhearing Yamada bust into tears, apologizing to her mother and her manager because she's not going to be able to, you know, go do their photo shoot and everything like that. She's really letting down her manager and her mother in what she's working on. And this kind of changes Ichikawa. Like suddenly he's, he's kind of thinks that he might like Yamada. Like seeing her in this vulnerable state is, is kind of got his attention. But yeah, over time, the two of them kind of grows closer and closer. Their little encounters, the library slowly move into encounters after school and whatnot. Um, and yeah, going into season two, things are spicing up, Chris. <laughs> are you, are we ready to talk about season two, Chris? Is cause whew, I, I am very happy at this point that season two ended when it did, because like the moment season two started, it just, it's not letting up. I don't know if you agree. How many episodes you watched so far? Two or three? I've seen the the doggy hang hung hung on the tree. I want to say. Oh, you haven't gotten to Yamada House? Probably not. So I think you've only watched maybe. I thought I watched three, but two, maybe two. Yeah, I think you watched two because you still have go over. You have going to Yamada's house the first time, which was because he got wet. And then yeah. he goes to the Yamada house second time because they have to make Valentine's chocolates with all the girls. I have not seen that. And you have... You have not seen him... You haven't seen Valentine's Day. And no. you have not seen that was, the that was the that was, I, I was going to go and watch that episode because you had, you had said uh, that you had not to watch your video until I've watched the episode. And I didn't get a get a chance to watch that. Yeah, because there was yet. there was something in the manga that kind of accents the scene a lot more. I mean, the scene still works, but um. So yeah, I'm gonna be very careful because I really don't want to spoil anything for Chris. Not that I want to spoil it for anybody. If you have not watched season one of Danger in My Heart, please go watch it. I'm 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 just literally. I I think I was doing it back when the first season aired. Like I literally made a video on Danger in My Heart and said it's literally one of my favorite romances of all time, and it it needs to find a place somewhere in my top favorite anime of all time. I just love it. I keep telling everybody, and I think people have echoed this, so I'm pretty solidified in this being true. The first two question mark episodes aren't great. Like, the first two episodes of Danger in My Heart Season 1 isn't fantastic. So don't go into it and go in like, I'm watching the first episode, nothing's grabbing me. It, I think, I don't know if you were, if it was somebody you, else. You dragged about, me kicking and screaming. Somebody said something about um, it kind of kicking off the moment that Ichikawa sneaks in and hears Yamada crying on the phone. I kind of agree. I, cause I think that was about the point where I was enjoying it, but that's where it kind of took off for me. Suddenly it seemed like Ichikawa was really being hit hard with his experience with Yamada and he wasn't really sure what to do with it. And the it's ever since then that it has taken off for me. And the first season I think ended with one of the most impactful story beats I have seen in, in a story like this ever the way the what I kind of tell most people is it's literally you can't love others unless you love yourself. If you hate yourself, you can never love another person. And Ichikawa literally had that happen to him. He hated himself and he could not accept that anybody could like him. And I love that for that. Season two, it's literally it's just it's from the first episode, it's just it's breakneck speed at this point, not like pacing or anything like that. It's just things are happening and it's not letting go. Every episode has been literally 
uh, 10 out of 10 show. Like you can make it its own episode. I keep telling people it feels like every episode is a finale. Like it's, it feels like a finale episode where crazy stuff happens. You're like, holy crap, I can't believe that happened. What a great finale. Oh, wait, that's right. This is the second episode. <laughs> I, I, I think the only point which I was like a little bit like frustrated and it's not a bad thing was this week's episode, which literally was last Saturday's episode. Um, this week's episode where it was literally like this, finally a moment where it felt like Ichikawa took a step back. Like he's been stepping forward. We're, we're, we're progressing things. And then out of nowhere, he takes a step back. I'm like, holy crap, Ichikawa. I, I kind of, I'm not frustrated with the writer. I'm frustrated with Ichikawa, which is a great thing. I'm frustrated with a character because the character is having problems. And I fully understand why the character is doing it. But it still frustrates me. It's like one of those moments of like, please, Ichikawa, you've been doing good. You know this isn't you. You know this isn't you. And it, it's got me afraid because I feel like they're shifting what what it means to have love to, to admiration. And that's a scary route for it to go. But knowing the writer, I know they could do something really incredible with it. So I'm... I, I'm fine with whatever direction it takes just because I trust the writer at this point that they're so good with character writing. And one thing that has kind of think one theme that has carried over from the first season that I really love is that you never get Yamada's perspective. We never know what Yamada's thinking. And I love that a lot of that storytelling with Yamada is through body language. You constantly see her when she's fidgeting, she's acting like there's this one scene where they go out walking together, Ichikawa and Yamada, and she's being overly silly and you can tell that this this feels weird why is Yamada acting this silly like she's she's silly but she's not this silly and then Ichikawa points it out and I was like okay good it was intentional <laughs> she's being silly because she's she's literally trying to she's like in her mind probably very embarrassed and trying to figure out how she can possibly say what she wants to say um I love all that stuff getting into Yamada's work life um how that affects Ichikawa something they've been hinting at for literally probably eight episodes at this point, if you count the first season, um, is, is Ichikawa's mindset around Yamada working. Uh, that stuff is starting to come up. Meeting the parents was fantastic. The The whole meeting the parents was so much fun. I love every minute of it. It's just, it's just, it's an incredible show and I can't get enough of it. I really don't want it to end. So I'm going to enjoy it thoroughly for the next, what, six weeks now? <laughs> it has to end eventually, right? And I don't want it to end. It's it's funny because um I was not massive on it at the beginning. I the the first episode or two, I didn't much care for it, mostly because Ichikawa does not come off as <sighs> the the best way I could put it was that he's he believes himself to be a he at the time he believed himself to be a sociopath or they were he was the the writer was kind of painting him as a wannabe sociopath and he's not really that he's just either he's not written as a true sociopath or he's a wannabe sociopath and it, it it's funny because as they as they went along i i did like the fact that it was a genuine um, he thought it would look cool. Like he, he thought it looked cool. He was he was, he was, he was going through this edge, edge lordish type. He thing was purposely that, pushing people away by looking and weird. I I I loved that that had 
kind of shifted and 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 yes it was kind of at the moment of the yamada crying thing that that kind of really shifted the show for me a lot and it was kind of this moment of okay now you have my interest let me see what you can do and i have really i have really grown to love this show very much more not so much on the aspect of its romance because i'm not i'm not wholly sold on its romance on this show what i am actually really tr truly sold on in this show is more the authenticity to just um true to life is is the best way i can explain it is is it's when yamada is and I, I think it's more along the line of the directing more than the actual storytelling or story writing in itself. I absolutely love how alive these characters feel when they're trying to detail different emotions and stuff like that. I am absolutely blown away by how this show just captures every moment from moment to moment every time something is going on. I have absolutely loved how true to life that moment is. And that is really honestly what has absolutely captured me all around in this show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a couple of episodes behind, but so far Shame. the episodes I have watched has Shame. have been, have been fantastic so far. Shame. Shame. Um, I, I have like three people I'm really pushing into watching this show and it's like, uh, it's difficult at this point now because I get some people respond, but it's got a hole in the season I gotta watch. I'm like, this is so worth it. It's literally like one of the best shows in a long time, dude. You gotta watch this show. It's so incredible. I'm kind of glad that I got a lot. Of, we got we managed to get a lot of people on board with it back when the first season was airing because it's easier to get people into the second season at this point. But it's it's too freaking good. And yeah, I agree. Like the the directing is just on point. I remember when they first announced. They first they announced the second season pretty quickly, and I was super happy about that. But one of my biggest questions at the time was like, "Please get the same staff. Please have the same staff." And I kept every time news came out for it, I'm checking. Please tell me it's the same staff. <laughs> so I was super happy the same staff kind of returned for this, especially like the musician. I will say that there's there, there's a little bit of a side of me that I I kind of prefer a lot of the soundtrack the musician did for the first season a lot more. It had a lot more oomph to it, but I still love it. Like every time the tunes come in and everything, it's just so fantastic. Um, yeah, and the visual quality and everything is just, just it's so well done. They they definitely hit all the emotional points. So, I I, I just, it's one of those shows where I can't really expect watch or reading the manga because I just I'm so hooked on how it's being portrayed here that I think a lot of that even when I do kind of look back at the manga every now and then to kind of see how they handle certain scenes differently, which like I said with Chris, I was telling him handle a little differently with one of these one scenes with these these chocolates, but um. You'll still get the sense of it in the adaptation. It's not like it's missing much, but um, I just, I can't not see not watching the show and how they're adapting it with the voicing and everything. Like even Yamada, like Yamada and Ichikawa's seiyus are doing such an incredible job. Ichikawa and his kind of flusteredness and kind of constantly hesitating. You have Yamada and her kind of silliness, but every now and then you can hear her, you can hear her struggling to get words out. It's just, they're, they're so cute together. They're so freaking cute together. Uh, even, even Moika, I love Moika. She's so, she's so fantastic. The sister's fantastic. Um, what's her name? Kane? Kana? Um, she's fantastic. It's just got a great cast of characters and I cannot wait for more.
so many so many incredible moments like i said this season has just been just nonstop perfection so i cannot wait for more anyways that's that's dangerous uh solo leveling should we do solo leveling we should probably save that one for later banish from the hero's party are you ready to talk about banish from the hero's party god no you're not ready to talk about it how many episodes did you watch uh they killed the big i can i can tell you i'm not ready for what to <laughs> i can tell you that i'm not ready because i don't even have anything in the outline they killed the lizard thing <laughs> that's about all i've seen so far Banish for the heroes party i decided to live quick did you watch like one episode or like as an arc two episodes i think two episodes you don't you, nothing i don't know i don't remember how many episodes let me get my phone i mean if you, it just it depends on if you have any talk about i'm not gonna watch the show so it's up to you if you want to do an impressions on it it, it it so far it's fine that that's about all it, it, it's not doing anything different it, they just killed a, a lizard thing there you go that's banished from the heroes party second season big uh a big uh impression on chris <laughs> it, it tells me everything when chris the one that like i think enjoyed the first season more than i do it has that to say about the second season i guess i'm doing a good job not watching the second season <laughs> they kill the dragon lizard thing they kill the dragon i think i could thing. say i i could probably tell you more about the op than chris could literally tell you about the first two or three episodes of Banish <laughs> they, they show a lot of feet and the hero uh, sister <laughs> and then they go to the onsen see i literally talked more about the op than chris talked about the entire season two so far Villainous level 99. I may be the hidden boss, but I'm not the demon lord. have lots to say about this. Do I? Do we have uh, lots to say about this? I may, I may be the hidden boss, but I'm not the demon lord. Yeah. Akuyaku Rejo level 99. Watashi wa ura boss desu ga mao de wa arimasen. This one's streaming for 12... Uh, it's running for 12 episodes. Streaming is by Crunchyroll. Jubondo's a studio. It's based off a light novel, if you couldn't tell by the title. Uh, fantasy. I wonder if manga has like a character limit because it, it's always the long titles and light novels. And I know they do that because it stands out more in like the listings and that's like this whole like weird thing that happened. But I'm, I'm curious why it never happens with manga. Maybe they don't have the same type of listings. It's possible. Anyways, it's fantasy romance apparently. Still waiting on the romance. Now, I mean, they did, they did introduce something here recently, so I guess that could be it. Anyways, this one opens up with, uh, it first opens up by showing you essentially an Otome game. This Alicia, she is this girl that has the rare ability of light, and she is going to this academy. She's actually a commoner, but she's being brought into the the academy because, as we find out later, the principal and everybody has orchestrated her to come there, even though she's a commoner, because she has a very rare ability of light. And the Demon Lord is going to come back eventually, and they're going to need her to get powered up and to save the world, or at least save their kingdom. Um, and yeah, she goes, the, she comes into there, she's late, she ends up getting yelled at by the, this guy that's just all about the rules and ends up taking this side route with this other guy that's all about, like, he's a knight that's actually leveled up to level 10 already, because he's trained his own life, his whole life. They end up falling through the roof and then falling around top of the prince who is inside the, the, the mess hall, and he's like, it's alright, it's cool, it's fine. And then they go to the opening ceremony where Alicia comes in there and everybody sits down and they call everybody to come up to the front to touch this crystal ball, which would tell them their level. That's when we shift over to the actual main character. It's not the 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 Atome game main character, Alicia. No, the main character is actually Yamilia. I always say Yamilia. I'm probably gonna say Yamilia again. Yamila. 
and kind of find out she apparently, when she was five years old, she awoken to her memories of her previous life. Yes, she knows that she is actually not the villainous of this Otome game. She has been reincarnated into the body of the quote-unquote hidden boss. See, when Alicia and all the romancers get together at the very end and defeat the Demon Lord, the Demon Lord's like level, you need to be like level 70 to defeat the Demon Lord, and you take him out and you win the game. But if you do certain things, you can actually get this kind of special hidden boss where when you kill the Demon Lord, then appears Yamila, who is the hidden boss, and she requires you to be level 99 to beat. Well, yeah, Yamila is now that person, five years old. Very quickly, we get a sense of what could be why Yamila, the hidden, or why she ends up being the hidden boss is it seems like, yeah, people discriminate against her. Because she has black hair, apparently back when this kingdom was developed, uh, it was developed. It was created by this hero, this saint, and this this um, this knight who defeated the demon lord. And oh yeah, so happens the demon lord had black hair, so everybody discriminates against black hair. Additionally, she has dark magic, <laughs> which yes, the demon lord uses. Uh, apparently, a lot of people do. Even the royal court has people that use black uh, dark magic. It's just people again see it as evil because the demon lord used it. But anyways. She knows that she's going to become... Uh, she knows that she needs to avoid the usual flags. She's out in this remote um, mansion because her parents are living in the capital. And they kind of discard her out in this boonies area to, to live out. And so she decides to... I don't want to get killed by uh, this Alicia. So I'm going to probably focus on keeping away from all that stuff. But I am also might need to eventually defeat the Demon Lord myself. So I'm going to go level up. So she like goes out to the dungeons and starts or goes out in the forest then eventually goes in the dungeons and starts killing things solo now the quirk here is that typically people wear amulets that will protect them in case they like get a fatal blow or something like that she just picks up like this experience boosting amulet instead and goes in there without like any care for her dying and just starts killing things even brings a flute so that she can blow to lure in monsters beats bosses and everything cut back to the opening ceremony you have like William he goes up there he's been training his whole life to be a, a fighter and he's level 10 everybody's shocked by that Alicia goes up there she's level 1 it's alright you'll level up eventually Yamila goes up there touches a thing and it's 99 there's the title for you level 99 uh, yeah nobody believes it they all call her a scammer they think that it's all a lie and the, the principal's like it's alright we'll, we'll see if you have the ability to do this kind of stuff when we do her classes and everything Sure enough, sword practice. She beats the crap out of William without even trying. <laughs> she was actually trying not to kill him. <laughs> like, it wasn't that she just did it without trying. She literally tried not to kill him. Um, they go to magic training, and she ends up creating, like, this black fire that melts this target dummy that even court mages have problems destroying. Eventually, the prince shows up with this document with the principal and says that he's going to get her expelled because she cheated with the whole level testing. And the teacher goes, no, I think Yamila might actually be that powerful because she just used this dark flame thing. So she talks them into allowing Yamila to test to show her ability. And she asks the prince, you know, you, you're going to take a responsibility for this, right? He's like, what are you talking about? I'm going to do something crazy to you to show you, but I need you to take responsibility. He's like, yeah, whatever, I'll take responsibility. And she creates a black hole above the city. <laughs> she creates a massive black hole above the city. And of course, everybody at that point kind of starts to believe that she might actually be OP. 
but yeah, that goes into like getting into getting the attention of the king. Uh, gets pulled in with the queen. She suggests her marrying her, uh, their their son, which she says Yadisu, and then <laughs> I still love that scene. Yadisu, Yadisu. <laughs> oh, that was a little bit blunt. Um, but they wanted her to help defeat the demon lord whenever that comes around. So she's like, yeah, I might help you with that. They start start talking about the two factions. The basically those that support the king and those that are trying to essentially overthrow the king and that those groups might actually try to recruit her and to be avoiding those people then eventually they go out to do practice training and stuff like that where it seems like yamila is power leveling everybody by blowing her flute over and over again <laughs> i just love that whole scene i loved it too <laughs> she's like this is i have this, this is thing. Not... i always use this and patrick's like wait what you, what's that uh, there's a flute that brings in much don't pl don't blow it she blows it and then everybody gets attacked and then like oh formations and everything oh that was crazy please don't do that okay i'm gonna do it again blows it again <laughs> it was so good back in the line again it's not efficient oh uh, it was so good I, I i keep telling everybody i i just know what because it she, they assigned Yamila. They wanted Yamila because she's level 99 to essentially assist them in their practice training. But they assigned her specifically to being the assistant for the regionals, which the regionals are seen as being the less. The centralists are in this other group, which is going to have like William and Oswald and the prince and Al Alicia. They're going to be in the, the centralist or whatever. Watch what's going to happen is that them, her blowing that whistle and, and trapping all the monsters and them killing it, I bet when they get back to the town, they will be at least, I think everybody's going to be at least level 10, just to rub it into William's face because he spent his whole <laughs> life leveling to 10. But yeah, I can see it totally be like they all level up to 20 or something like that. But I, I think that'd be too far. That would, that would, if they get to 20 just by fighting that one day, it would make it seem like 99 is like less impressive. I think it's going to be at least 10. Maybe six, but ten, I think, would be great. At least one of them gets ten. Patrick gets ten. There you go. Patrick does. So what's your thoughts on the show so far? Yadisu. You, you, do you want me to tell you or not? Yadisu. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> Yadisu. <laughs> no, I've actually, I, I've, I really actually liked the show. It's, um... it's, it's so funny how, did you notice that, how louder her voice is compared to the queen? Like, it's like they ramped up her volume for that line. Yadizu. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to get over that joke. <laughs> Go ahead. I've actually really enjoyed it so far. It, it's, it's got this weird vibe. I, I, first off, loved the intro. I actually w thought I was watching the wrong show. I, I was mm -hmm. like, what the heck was going on here? <laughs> I was not expecting, um, because I, I, I definitely didn't think that Alicia was going to be a hidden boss. I was like, okay, how are they going to fit this into being a, a hidden boss? What the heck's going on? This is an, this is the intro. And then the introduction of Emilia. And I was like, are we going to be watching this entire thing from her, from Alicia's perspective? It, it, this is, this is weird. I, but when they finally did um, kind of start the, when, when we got into the, the next episode and, uh, into Yamilia's kind of uh kind of perspective on a lot of these things. It it did actually kind of make things a little bit more interesting. It, it, because I'm having a hard time with the kind of Edwin Oswald William Alicia kind of side of things. I want I I the introduction of those characters does not fit their kind of personality so far. I I understand William. William is kind of a stupid hothead, and he's always going to be 
everything's been wrong, wronging me in some way, shape or form. Um, the other two kind of, I'm having a little bit more of a hard time with Alicia. I really don't have any, I, I, any understanding of, um, her personality type. I do like they're kind of wishy-washy on the idea of maybe possibly Alicia is an isekai too, but it just seems like she doesn't know enough that it doesn't make any sense. Like even Yamila kind of inquires on the possibility of her being an isekai, but it right. doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to fit. It, Alicia, but I will, I, I agree with you. I think, I think the Atome game main characters, the main character and, and heroines um, or hero, heroes, the, that whole the boys and her are just easily the weakest and it i think it's obviously for a reason because they are based off of a typical atome game like the whole intro segment which is easily probably the weakest part of the show was legitimately legitimately a generic isekai i stomached it even though i hated that whole intro segment because i i kind of had some hope that yamila would kind of flip things on its head and Thankfully, she does. <laughs> yeah. But I do agree with you. I think every time they waste any time with them, I hate it. Like, they're, they're starting to show that Edwin is okay. Because, like, even when Alicia was going to Edwin and saying, oh, my gosh, she might actually be the demon lord. He's like, no, that's not going to happen. It's not the case. My parents told me this. This The parents were cool. Like, Edwin's parents were right. cool. Like, the, the king and the queen were like, like, <laughs> like sitting down with Yamila and just not your typical... Not your typical uh, king and queen these scenarios that usually kind of turn into being like just total idiots about the whole situation. Like they're they're literally going, okay, you're 99. Yeah, we kind of need your help. <laughs> if you're this, we're not going to like ostracize you or throw you in a cage like typically they do with these types of stories. No, they're like legit. Please help us. We, we got we need you to defeat the demon lord. But anyways. But anyway, I I'm at this point I I'm I'm really interested. I really want to see what what they where they go with Patrick and Ele Eleonora, um, how they kind of incorporate them into the story with Yamila. Um, I there's I, like a very low amount of Eleonora. Like the ED made me think that like she's yeah, right? be best friend, <laughs> <laughs> and legit she's just obsessed with Edwin and then quickly disappears. Okay. But, as it stands right now, I'm I am super excited about the show. I I they have really laid out some groundwork for the show, and I'm happily enjoying it so far. So, without getting into spoilers beyond uh, Mushoku Tensei season two part one, do you agree with the assessment that Yamila is legit Nanahoshi if she got Isekai and actually had superpowers? Like she suddenly actually enjoys the other world. <laughs> And she has—it's just more in the fact that yes, she she's got the long the long hair, and she just legit doesn't want to have anything to do with anything. I think that's what I love. I, this show, for those who don't know, this show for me is Yamila. Like the main character is the only thing I can care I care about the show, and it's enough to carry the show for me because she is such a phenomenal main character. She is just so much fun. Um, early on, I just liked her for her like. I don't give an F kind of mentality. Like everybody's like, even when the, all the, the other, the, the boys come surrounding her and says, you lied. You made William look bad and you faked your number. We're going to take you down. She's just like, I don't care. Look girl over there. She needs help. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go help her out. You better not. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go help her out. You better not next time. And then like later on, when the King, when the Prince shows up with the principal and is like, I got this document that says that you're going to get 
kicked out of the school and and the principal's over there going yeah if you get kicked out of the school you're probably going to lose your entire nobility and you're probably going to get kicked out of the entire kingdom because getting kicked out of this academy is not good and Yamila's legit like the prince is there going huh got you now and Yamila's just like all right cool which kingdom can i go to i was actually thinking of that like she just doesn't care <laughs> She legit, like, just does not care. Like, she hates her parents. Like, she doesn't hate her parents, but she knows that her parents are, like, just legit, like, a waste of oxygen. Like, they're they're regionals that are living in, like, the central capital area, acting like they're central capital um, nobles and just basically posers. Like, the prince calls them, like, posers or something like that. I, I, just everything around central her. Wannabes, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, central, like, like everybody around well, her is. that's what the is, translation was. Yeah. Everybody around her is trying to pull her into drama and pull her into situations. And yes, part of it is that she doesn't want to get involved because she doesn't want to get to become the hidden boss. But at the same time, she just doesn't she just doesn't want to get involved. <laughs> and I do like the fact they they kind of are sort of implying there's a side of it that I'm kind of wondering if they are sort of leading it into the idea of the creating the the hidden boss, creating the hidden the the villainous, because it is sort of implying so much into Despite the fact that she doesn't want to get involved or cause problems because she's trying to keep her head down, everything she does catches attention and everybody's kind of prejudiced. Like, even though the, like, the mage teacher, she's like, oh, you use dark magic. That's incredible. Now, students, like, she immediately turns to students. Students, do not perceive this as that she's evil. There are plenty of dark magic users in the, in the royal capital. They're, or the, the, um, the king's guard or whatever. So don't perceive this as evil. And she was like fascinated by the fact that she could use dark magic. But still, that that creates that that stigma. She's level 99. She's got black hair, like the demon lord. She uses black uh, dark magic, just like the demon lord. She's obviously a bad person. And then the, the prejudice that, that all kind of stems upon her, it kind of shows why the original Dulkness, why the original Yamila possibly became the bad guy because it the yamila her isekai self has not quite said how alicia comes about fighting the hidden boss just says that if you do certain things you end up finding this the the hidden boss but it doesn't say why she was she was who she is it does imply later on when she meets eleanora that eleanora was somehow tied in with with yamila darkness in the game but not exactly what that all involves. And I'm kind of curious if that will be somehow a plot line. Or maybe at some point she goes, oh yeah, that's how this kind of laid out. And I think I just became the hidden boss or something like that. Now, at least she is already confronting her, but confronting her as a demon lord. <laughs> Which again, sort of begs the question mark as to, yeah, is Alicia an isekai? I don't know. I, I've heard a lot of, like within the first three episodes, I had a couple of people saying that they think that Alicia is going to be an isekai as well. And I'm like, if they do that, I will hate it because they've already had too many moments where Alicia, especially during the introduction segment, was by herself and she was making comments, um, making statements without people present that doesn't make sense. Like when, when she first heard that there was somebody out in the courtyard and um, it ended up being the prince she was making comments about how, oh, that's scary, blah, 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 when nobody was even in the room. And then the prince came to the window, and then she went over to hit him over the head. 
It's like, I don't see her, if she knows how this story plays out, why would she be making comments and being worried out loud when nobody's around? So, it could go that route, but I don't want, I, I've, I can't think of a single moment there's been a double isekai Atome game story like this that I wasn't like, I didn't hate it. Now, granted, Tougher Mobs was okay, but wasn't, that wasn't what I enjoyed about the show was the other isekai. Um... So, I don't know. I'm, I'm always leery of double E set guys. So, I, I hope not. <laughs> but, yeah, I need more Eleonora. We need we need more uh, of the actual vil uh, the actual villainous girl to actually show up in the story. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've been really enjoying it. And, like I said, it's, it's a lot to do with Yamila. I just love her personality. Like I said, her telling the the print, the queen basically, no, heck, no, I don't want to do that. Or um, just her no-nonsense nature, not wanting to get involved with things and just... Being overall, like, just the comedy around her is just fantastic. Like, when the guy shows up to try to recruit her to the other side, and she's just like, oh, so you want me to go against the king? That's not good. You should probably not say that out loud. Um, let's just pretend that this is a conversation never happened. The guy just runs off. Uh, it's so good. I love her personality. She's she's easily turning out to be one of my favorite female characters of this, of this entire season right now, besides, like, you know, Yamada and stuff. Good stuff, though. Good stuff, though. Good stuff, though. I guess we should call it there. Um, that was like, what, 11? Did we do 11? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. If you call Banished from the Heroes Party second season, there's a fresh Well, if I, if I watch a few more episodes and I decide I want to talk about something, I will. It, as it stands right now, it, there, it hasn't done anything out, out, outside of just setting things up. There you go. But yeah, we'll call it there. Um, pretty pretty meaty episode. But uh hope you guys enjoyed these these this set of first impressions of the winter twenty twenty four MA season. Like I said, we'll probably have a at this point, yes, we'll have a three parter. Um but yeah, probably eleven each because I think again we have like thirty four uh, shows to actually talk about. But but yeah, I hope you guys will join us next week for the next batch of them and hopefully we'll get done with all the first impressions before the season ends. And then we can review them. <laughs> But yeah, again, it, it just this happens with winter because we're doing all the dis deliberations and all that stuff. It always pushes everything back. And then we have the reviews from the previous season to do as well. So we'll get back on schedule by the time we get to spring. Taboon. Maybe. Taboon. As per usual, we're at talkaspear.com. That's where you can go for all of our links, social media links, ways to get a hold of us, Discord links to join our community over there. So you can chat it up with us. Well, at least me. I think Chris shows up every now and then. On Discord, yeah, I showed up. We showed up when we talked about uh, what was that? The what was that mobile game? Oh, Atelier. Yeah, Atelier had a uh, mobile game. I was like, don't I tell, do. Don't I tell do. Chris, I do. He's like, I already know. I'm like, damn. Yeah, I already. I I pop in quite often. I just I I haven't really been. Posting. You must be turned off on on offline all the time. Then, do you have your thing set to offline all the time? I don't know. You, That's you can probably check. what it is. It's probably what it is because I never see you on there. I feel bad. It's like my brother helps us set it up, and then he just, just he just hands me the key and just goes, Ooh. "I don't want to be here anymore." Everybody, and busy. so I'm like, "Well, fine then, Chris. I'm gonna set Roxy as the <laughs> the, the owner's uh, <laughs> uh, icon. That'll teach you." Uh, but yeah, he just like disappears, and then I'm like sadness. Anyways, I don't know where I was going with this. But all of our links at talkspear.com. Um, additionally. Uh, ways to support us through Patreon, tips, links, all that stuff. If you're listening on uh, this on YouTube's, which we have, we're trying to keep 
doing video podcasts for it. And hopefully over time I can improve things a little bit. Because I know that Chris looks extremely different than me on the videos because he's got like a Logitech camera and I'm using a Sony um, DSLR. So it just looks a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, if you check us out on YouTube, we have ways to support us through memberships and super thanks. Greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Sports channel, it means so much to us. And until the next time, you'll take care. Oos.